Hi, this is Jim Chung, and you're listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. <laughs> That was perfect in one take. Because no one was there to step on. Jason does to do that. I could have said something stupid. Jason will step on David, and David said, That's alright, I don't mind it, but David minds it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it for David because he's too polite to do it himself. I know. I mean, it's like an abusive relationship. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Jason, yeah, that's what would have been here. Jason knows David's never going to leave him, so. <laughs> that's right. right. David can't leave him because Jason makes the money. What do you do? Yeah, you take right. the back and take it. Right. Oh, it makes me sad just to think I about just, it. I'm, I'm glad in this, I'm, I'm just glad I get to be the top. Yeah, that's important. The lid. You call it in the business. We call it the, the lid. Business for you is, son. <laughs> Uh, uh, the foam on the cappuccino hey everybody 11 o'clock comics episode 333 god damn it's almost perfect i am vince b with the gp oh what's the gp general principle i don't know what you... great podcast oh uh, i love it giant no. pussy <laughs> no more birthday talk and Three kids. oh the, the GPC yeah. now I could go into the DAP and then we kick it over to our guests. Yes, because Jason's not here yet. yet. But he will be here hopefully towards the tail the ass end of the he's episode. Which is perfect, right? He's 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 working it. We have guests, as David said. Um one of them you've heard here before. TV's Mario. Oh Hi, TV's Mario. Gr- yeah. Yes, you'll never live that time. I never will. Never. Mario's got the great personality. And this other guy. What, because he's not attractive? What is that? He's got a great personality. What the hell? He's attractive. Um, and Italian. And sexy. You listen to that voice, man. If <laughs> you go you, at it. Uh, love it. You know this guy, Mr. Dale Taylor. Man of, well, I can't call him a thousand podcasts, no. but I will call him man of 999 podcasts. A few. Yes, Daryl Taylor's here with us too. Hello there. We are going to have Let's a go. full house, and this is all kinds of awesome. It's getting there. And you know what gets to your house really quick? Comics. If you order them from Discount Comic Book Service, bitches, uh, the new discounts are up, and wow, they are awesome. Get this from Valiant. Now, I want you to listen closely. Eternal Warrior, Days of Steel number one, XO Man of War number thirty, Unity number twelve, Return of Quantum and Woody number two, Bloodshot twenty five, Archer and Armstrong, the One Percenters number one, Punk Mambo number zero, Death Defying Doctor Mirage number three, and Delinquents number four. Do the math. If you walked into a comic shop and pulled all these off the rack, plopped them down at the counter, and said, "Here's my money," you would end up spending probably thirty seven bucks give or take, not at DCBS, you can get all those books in a nice little bundle for $18.45. That's 50% off. That's crazy. If you've been curious about Valiant, DCB Service is the best place to check it out because you'll get it at 50% off. From Dynamite, written 
by Mr. Matt Wagner and the great Quentin Tarantino. Art by Esteve Poles and the cover art's by somebody named Jay Lee. You heard of him. It's Django and Zorro, number one. Cover price three ninety nine. Your price dollar ninety nine. Half off. And last but not least, from the dark horse, getting on the ground floor of a new series called Ghost Fleet, number one, written by Donnie Cates, art by Dan Johnson and Lauren Affey. Hope I got that right. And the cover art's by Dan Johnson. For the world's most valuable, dangerous, or secretive cargo, you don't call just any trucking service. You call the Ghost Fleet. Bah, bah, bah. $3.99 cover. $1.99 you'll take it home for. Amazing. 50% off. Don't mind late orders. Don't mind order additions. And they're just flat out the best in the business. So you would do very well to check out DCBService.com if you're not already a subscriber, member, family member, whatever you want to call it. Get over there now. We'll win. Nice. Thank you. It's a lot, but you know what? I was going through the discounts as I usually do when they come out and I see, you know, I cherry pick and see what appeals to me and I slap them in here, but there was so many discounts this month. I had a real hard time picking the good stuff. It's all good. Valiant. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm digging the valiant stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So let's do the old drink roll call. David, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking something new. Picked it up last weekend. It is a Sterling Vintners collection, and it is a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon, some Merlot, some Ooh. Malbec, some Cabernet Franc, and uh, Petite Verdot. Well, they mix all that stuff together. Yes, they do. It's like Just the V8 wine, baby. That's what I'm saying. That's everything you love in like one drink. Well, minus yeah. Wow, you should be sticking your dick in there. Sounds delicious. That'd make it sweet. I don't want it that sweet. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Salty. I'm not going to finish. Damn. Daryl, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drying out from Baltimore Con. Um, we got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drying out from that. So, um, sadly, I'm I'm just doing the water right now, trying to get it together. That's impressive. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. TV's Mario. What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a cocktail. I'm having a, uh, what is called a suffering bastard to have with all of you suffering bastards. Nice. Is that, do you put that on the Facebook? I did put it on the Facebook. Yeah, that looks really good. It's, um, it's bourbon and gin and, uh, lime juice and bitters and some ginger ale. Yeah, let me clarify. It doesn't look Really good to drink. I meant the the picture oh, that you put up. It's tasty. It's tasty. Yeah. Well, nah, nah, not with that. Wet my lips. Toxic shit floating around in there. Toxic in there. It's, it's all it's all nature, brother. What am I drinking? You asked. I did. Well, it's that time. It's it's the season is back, and I have grabbed myself my all time favorite beverage. It is the Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice extra large coffee. Uh-huh. Pumpkin. This is my favorite. You know, I'm not a fan of pumpkin. Like, give me a piece of pumpkin pie. I won't eat it. Pumpkin in coffee? I don't know. It's magic. It is. And I love it. What about pumpkin inside like a ravioli? Hmm. That shit's good, man. I bet that would taste good with the acidic tomato uh, stuff. Yeah, I bet you that would be good. Yeah. So, yeah, Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice. Now, let's get... 
onto what we gathered here to do. Uh, first. You got thank yous? I have a thank you. I have a very special thank you. I know it's been a while since we kind of had one. Um, but, uh, this is actually, this, this coincide, this could segue into, uh, Daryl's Baltimore Comic Con talk. Uh, I have to thank, uh, one of many Daryl's partners in crime. He, um, he, he, we, we know this guy anyway, but huge thanks to Mr. Chris Campbell. Yes. Who, uh, who, who took time out of what I, what looked to be a very busy, uh, convention weekend and made his way to, uh, grab a 2014 Baltimore Comic Con yearbook celebrating Matt Wagner's Grendel. Yep. You are awesome. He is awesome. It is, it is a fabulous book. Um, I mean, the, some of the pieces are by creators who have other characters, so it's their character meeting uh, one of the various Grendels, and some are just sketches that finished pieces of various Grendels. Or, or uh, is an awesome shot by uh, Bernard Chang of Christine Spar that you would absolutely go gaga over, Vince. Um, <laughs> David Finch did a Grendel Prime, which looks an awful lot like a, a Batman. Um, but what? Speaking of David Finch, you want to hear something weird? I, you know I'm bagging and, and cataloging books, right? I get to David Finch's. Well, what he did that Avengers disassembled. Yeah. To me, when David Finch draws Marvel characters, it looks wrong. When he draws DC characters, it clicks. Why? Why is that? Because he's darker. He's a darker. He's a darker illustrator. In DC, maybe. Is- which is weird because you wouldn't think of DC as being darker. Yeah, you would. But and now but, you would. But now you would after some movies, yeah. Like Finch on Batman looks right to me. Finch on Captain America, uh, something's wrong. I know maybe it is the darkness factor. Captain, I don't Captain think it's dark. Yeah. I, I think it's because it's iconic. Superman, Batman, those are so iconic uh, in characters. You know, Captain America is more down to earth. I didn't. I didn't care for his Moon Knight. <laughs> How could you get more iconic than the American flag, dude? Yeah, but he's still, <laughs> but he's an everyman. He's still an everyman, though, at heart. He's not a, he's not somebody that, uh, looks above. He's not a god. What he's not a god. Yeah, he's not somebody like that. Jose Lopez is in this book. Jose You know what? He's gonna be in Scranton? Why? Uh, car breakdown? No, (laughs) (laughs) you dick. He is coming to the local shop, Comics on the Green. Fuck out of here. The week before New York City Comic Con. I kid you not. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Guess who's going to be there? Okay, who? Me. Are you kidding me? Garcia Lopez in my backyard. I won't go to see him. You're nuts. I got to go. Selfie with him. (laughs) (laughs) Selfie. Uh, But I'm sorry for now. He's going to be pushing. At least, at least seventy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, dude still has it though. Uh, but no, this this book is absolutely amazing. The uh, the creators involved, uh, Steve Conley did a really kick ass um, Epi Thatcher. Um, Tom Palmer did a Hunter Rose that kind of looks like Doc Savage with a Grendel mask on. Mm, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting's a word. The, uh, it's, it's um, <laughs> David's not like people <laughs> screwing with the formula. Alan Davis did a nice, um, 
a nice piece featuring a few different Grendels. And it's I pencil. Love him. It's, uh, who does it? Love him. Um, Silly people. But it's, it's, it's a, it's an awesome book. Thank you so much, Chris. And, uh, and yeah, I, um, I, this is going right next to the rest of the, um, the, the it's going on the, the Met Wagner section of the shrine. Nice. You know, while we're on the subject of Chris Campbell, dude's hanging, handing out valiant, uh, variant covers like they were candy. <laughs> I gotta get in on this. Oh. He's, he has, he had, took a picture with a big old plastic wrapped stack of, of valiant variant covers. He's giving them away on the damn Facebook. I gotta, I gotta get in on this. Yeah, Valiant's been very, uh, supportive of the podcast. So, uh, he, we had a little thing made up where it's a Valiant podcast and then we had him all signed by all these different, uh, people that have worked on Valiant books. So it's been pretty cool. It's, it's been going well for you guys too, right? I mean, yeah, you- yeah we've had a, a good response from, from, uh, Valiant fans and we got a lot of people that are not Valiant readers to try the books for the first time. I don't really want to say this, but I'm gonna, I'm really enjoying the books, and I want to say I'm enjoying them as much as I did back in the day. They, they're a different tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but still, there's something there. There's that, that, that unique, exciting, valiant spark that's different, but similar to what was. Yeah, definitely, because they love yeah. it. They love valiant, you know, they, they were all valiant fans back in the day. And, you know, pretty much that's why they're doing it now. I may have to draw the line at Ninjak, though. Why? I, I, I bought it back in the day, but I can't say that I enjoyed it. There's Quesada covers or whatever? Yeah, I mean, Quesada did a great job on it. it was, that was like the one, yeah, I buy this one. I gotta buy they, this they one. They tried too hard with that one. Right. Yeah. Like, here's our, here's our edgy, hardcore exactly. Wolverine guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, um, looking at the, the prices for the back issues because I have a few holes to fill. End of the run books, like the last issue of, uh, Magnus, Robot Fighter, and the last issue of Turok, those things go for big bucks. Mm-hmm. The, I guess the print runs were really low by then, right before it made the jump over to Claim. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and wow, like 50 bucks for some of them. That's, that's a little steep for a Valiant book. For me. I don't have deep pockets like Jason, but <laughs> whatever. All right, let's start talking comics. Well, specifically, who wants to uh, lead us so off? That's it. that's it for the Baltimore talk. No, we'll get into oh, that. All right, because, all right. Yeah, when it could, you know, we'll we'll hit Daryl up, but we got to start it off. We got to get their juices flowing here with David. Yeah. I think that's a good choice as any, right? Oh, we're starting off with me. Yeah. Oh man! All right. Um. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room then. Oh God, which, which elephant is what? That that death of Wolverine elephant. Oh, uh, you guys read that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> TV's Mario. Did you read it? Uh, no, I haven't read Wolverine for quite some time. I'll stop calling you TV's Mario. I I read the first issue too. Mm-hmm. I read the first two. Uh, oh, but the num- number two just came out today. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you are on top of things. Daryl, you read number two? Not yet. Not yet. I was right. didn't get a chance to get to it. Okay. In a, in a nutshell, I don't know how Jason said it has something to do with the microverse, <laughs> but, which is, which is cool, but Wolverine's, uh, fabled healing factor is gone. Right. And the very, 
it's like his body is slowly killing him because there are low levels of radiation coming from the adamantium. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually that shit's going to do what radiation does and start breaking down his organs and his body functions are going to get all shitty. And uh, there was one really great part in the first issue. The part that stuck with me the most was Reed Richards is doing what Reed does and doing the scans and trying to come to terms with this and figure out a way to, to beat it. And he says, Logan, you know, you can't, you can't stick to, you know, your usual methods here. You got to, you got to hang loose. You got to, you know, get out of the game because if you get a concussion, there's no way to relieve that swelling in your brain because you have to drill through the, the skull or, or open up the skull to relieve the pressure. He said, you could die from something as, as simple as a concussion. So you, you got, you got to pull back. And, and that's kind of the whole crux of the first issue. Logan, um, tries to, I take guess, it take, take it easy and, and retreat in a manner of speaking. And everybody and their brother gets wind of the fact that Logan's healing factor is gone. So all the big dogs, we're assuming, and, try and, and, and not so, I mean, there were some aim people there. I yeah. mean, they're not all big dogs. But. I love how the AIM guys can't do anything no. not without the yellow costume. They even go into the shitter with the yellow costume. <laughs> with the little button flaps in the back. But that scene was cool, too. With all, I mean, there's there's tons of people trying to take Logan out, and they show a, was it a beach, right. and it was just, just guys just strewn all over the place. I, but, I, it, it was... I, I enjoy everything you're talking about as far as the setup. It, things were... This wasn't just, okay, Wolverine's going to die, and they were stupid about it. The whole thing with the concussion, and, and, you know, adamantium is, it's, it's a foreign substance in your body. Your body should be rejecting it, and, and, and it's basically poisoning you. You know, these are all things that were well thought out. It was, it was, I'm close to saying smartly written in that regard. They even called back to the atomic bomb because it yes. said because you were yeah. you were you remember that you story? Got some radiation going yeah. on. It's yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's been through a lot. And you can't really sum that up in a few pages talking to Reed, but it. I think Logan's like the Forrest Gump of the Marvel universe. Like if, there, if it was a notable event, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Wolverine was there, man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to me, the issue felt like part western, mm-hmm. yeah, part. Uh, like, uh, Kurosawa Samurai. Right. Movie, yeah. Which, which is really perfect when you think about it because it's Logan, you know, and the samurai and the Mariko and the, the Japanese leg, the history with him. And then he is, he's very close to the character of, you know, the man with no name. Yeah. They're, they're both cut from the same cloth. And that, it's like a Sergio Leone movie too, where you got the, the lone holdout being besieged by tons and tons and tons of guys and he, and he tries to, you know, use his smarts and his cunning and, and all his, his prowess to get out of it. That, I thought the first issue was, and, and I, I really surprised to say this because I have no love for Wolverine. You, anyone who has listened to this for any amount of time knows he's, he's like a necessary evil in the Marvel universe for me. You got, he's there. He's omnipresent. He's not as great as Storm. No, I, no, he's not. <laughs> I had to get that in there. I, I I thought the issue was great. There's well, a creative you, team on that. Uh, Charles uh, Charles Soul uh, wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Nick uh, Niven on pencils. And uh, Jay Lyston on X. Yeah, and do not forget 
Color Art by Justin Ponser. The color yeah, art see, is yeah, really no, nice. The, the, the color, and it, it's interesting that um, that Ponser seems to follow Jay wherever it's 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 that inker colorist team because Jay isn't McNiven's usual. I mean, McNiven's had vines forever. Right. He's had he's had. Um, He's had Farmer. He's had Dell. I mean, he has had a bunch of different inkers. And I, um, in the back matter, you know, he was he was talking about how how Jay might not appreciate some of some of the detail, some of the some of the spots that he would have to ink in the uh, in the first issue. Um, I, but you know, oh, go ahead. Well, I got a I got a Mark Silvestri kind of vibe from the. From the way it was done, I, I I got a little bit of Silvestri, but in the messages when the three of us were reading it, um, I I told Vince there's especially that first page where he's chilling on the porch. Mm-hmm. That's heavy duty Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah, some there yeah. there's some uh, Papa Joe Hubert. Mm-hmm. In the second issue, especially not so much in the first when I think about it, but there's some Kevin McGuire going on. Well, uh, McGuire aside, as for inspiration, it's not bad to go with Barry Windsor Smith and and Joe Kubert. Um, I I saw when I didn't really see Barry Windsor Smith until David mentioned it, and then it's it's pretty to me yeah, it's pretty obvious. But uh, I got to say, I appreciate McNiven's talents, but he's not one of my go-to guys. But I thought he looked really fine here. He does have a tendency to go inland a little bit, like with the with the pencils. I I, I tell my kids stick to the beach, which means the you know the, the contour. There's nothing wrong with just contour lines. I mean, if you can you can render anything with just contour lines and do it tastefully, you can pull it off. Less is more, right? Where McNiven likes to go deep and, and, and with the, the millions and millions of lines, which is his style, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I thought he, I thought he was almost a little bit restrained in this, which is good. He pulled back a little bit, I think. Yeah, he did. And he yeah, I thought that. it looked nice. I thought it looked really nice. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, David. No, don't worry about it. Oh, uh, Dave stepping on him. That's it, man. Guest or no, man. Well, I just, I liked how uh you don't even get to see Wolverine fighting in the beginning. I mean, even you know he sets up what's going to happen. um pretty much leaving that note and and trying to get everybody to go to this one spot and which was smart because when they pull back on the beach they pretty much say most of them got killed just fighting each other because they wind up in the same area (laughs) (laughs) and uh, another um notable uh, thing from the first issue was that it now pains him greatly to use his claws yeah well see i well this will i'll um What's I'll that? use this time to nitpick then a little bit. Okay, go nitpick. Uh, he he must be in incredible pain if he is walking around with his claws unsheathed and without clenched fists. It it, it he's, I don't get he's it. he can't the the claws pop out with a clenched fist. He's using his hands. He's got his fingers just. Hanging around, he has an open he has an open hand. Right, that's not the way the claws work. <laughs> how do you know how the claws work? Because forever, <laughs> it's uh, Elliot R. Brown told me it's it's Claremont told him and uh, <laughs> but it's it's, 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 the, it's 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 
because of if you if you can have your hand open and you can have your fingers out and and your muscles and, relaxed. And, and but the claws would go through the top of your hand. You need to it, it's just it you can't because especially if 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 the claws adamantium they don't bend, they're housed in the forearm. How are you going to move your hand when you have these three bar it's just it's not for years, everybody's always – that's just the way it's drawn. It's the way it's done. Yeah. Clenched fist and the claws pop out. That's the control he has over him. You can't you can't use his hands and have his claws pop at the same well, time. Well, they but, did change some of that. There are covers even where you see him getting there, there tied are, up. There are – there's – um, there are very few. There are – uh, which again, if, if it was more consistent, if they were just like, yeah, fuck it, go ahead and do it, then I, I wouldn't be as anal about it. But it's just, there are, the, the inconsistency is just, well, I see that and I'm like, but that's not, it's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. It's just, it, it really does, um, basically it's like, well, fuck years of, of, of no, I, it's, it's the same reason why I dislike Laura's toe claw and, 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 Dakin's third claw. It's it's just it doesn't well, work. If you're gonna you're gonna have your 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 pseudoscience and biology fine, but stick to your own fucking rules. Right. If it's if it's tradition, then I accept that. Like if, if they've always done it with the with the the fist and the and the claws, then that's cool. But when you think about it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. because the the back of the hand is a, is a flat plane, right? right? If you if you extend your fingers, that's the same plane. Right, you make a fist. You where your finger, your hand bends at the knuckle. The claws don't come out of the knuckle; they come out behind the knuckle. Wait a minute, don't they come out between his fingers? Nope. <laughs> you would think only so, if right? only 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 if you're an artist working for an editor who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like a, an open palm, an open hand is the same plane as the back of the hand. But when you hook your fingers to make a fist, they're gone. So the it doesn't matter if the hand is open but, or closed. But like you said, with the, with the relaxed muscle, they're they're, they're right. forced that, out. That's, that's the whole thing. That's, right. I mean, it's not like oh, yeah, he's waving to somebody and his hands open and the claws. That's it, just it's, so it's tension. So when he releases the pressure on his fist, the claws retract. It's not a mental thing. Well, Xavier has blocked him a few times and made it that he couldn't release his claws. And other people have done it too to him that in early comics, like they've said that he tried, he's, he's trying to struggle to get his claws out and they just well, block him from being able to do it. Yeah, I think it, it uh, he, there's he, an he, obvious he, mental component because right. every time yeah. you move your hand. Right. Your no, brain, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the dudes who, who, who bounce their pecs when they're working out or just, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's that it's, 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 it's a movement. It's, but it, and any, without going further, down that hole. Um, Terry Crews popped into my mind when you said bounce the packs. I don't That's know. so cute. What are you thinking about the chocolate? So there's... Um, Dude has massive packs. He does. He does. Uh, I was not... This, speaking of editors and, and, and people not knowing what's going on, um, we got an appearance by somebody who decided to show up on Wolverine's Island and, and take the fight to him, which normally would be pretty cool, um, except this is why I'm, I'm, I, first thing I asked Jason was, was this present day? Is this canon? Is this in continuity? Because first page says the end, which of course makes me think of the, the alternate future tales from a few years ago. Um, but Nuke doesn't look anything like he did. 
nope. a couple of months ago in Captain America, nope. where something, yeah, yeah, the first issue, uh, and and McNiven draws him looking like he's he's been down the road a while, like fifty pounds overweight and 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 bald and and again and he has, and then the, he has wounds on himself too, like there's 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 scars and shit on his back. So how long ago? Is the, how far into the future is this? And then, when you think about where he appeared recently and what happened to him in that arc, I don't know. It's little things like this that just I I don't know how to take this story. I don't know if you just if 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 you're you know having your way and and this is just a what if, or if you're actually being serious with this and and now. That Captain America story doesn't have the weight that it had, and, and it, it, that's. I think they they were just looking for a flamboyant foil, and, and you know who's more visually appealing which, than a dude with a flag on his face. Would have been cool if. And that's the other thing. He also really didn't act. There was no. He didn't have the um, uh, the military, the the the, the militant weight. He, I mean, aside from. Not asking for any reds or blues. He he just he wasn't acting. He wasn't speaking. Uh, it didn't sound like the nuke that that we're used to after all these years. It's more like Does cyber to me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's more like cyber to me. I, I was actually thinking it's like he's gonna pull back and it's gonna be cyber or something. Right. And it didn't happen. No. Does he appear in issue two? Nuke. Yeah. Uh, no. So okay, he served his purpose then, right? Yeah, the, the only thing he was, well not the only thing, but the main reason he was put into the story was to survive long enough to go back and tell everybody. Right. Come get some. And get that info. But then when yeah. you, right. But then when you get to the second, it, it's, I'll, I'll wait for you to read the second issue. Um, the, uh, cause the second issue has its moments. Uh, but aside from the reveal on the last page, which makes something that happened, which, which makes the second issue kind of anticlimactic. Um, there's, there's really nothing about the first issue that has anything to do with the second. Okay. Uh, there's, um, the other thing, probably the only, the last thing is probably just the captions. It, it took me a while, actually probably it took me till the back matter because they've done away with, with, with thought balloons. And they use different color caption boxes for different characters. It'll be red if it's Spider-Man talking. It'll be blue if it's Captain America thinking about something. They have different colors for Wolverine's senses. Uh, one's for taste. One's for pain. One's for uh, so it's they have different colors on the page, and and it's just Wolverine. But after years of 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 getting acclimated on, on how captions work again, that threw me. I didn't, I, I, it took me a while to realize that that was all for Wolverine. I didn't know if it was being narrated by somebody. I didn't know if somebody else was, was, was thinking these things or telling this story. So it was, um, that, that took some getting used to. I think it's, it's the idea behind it or the way Charles is telling the story I think is neat. There are just some tricks and and some inconsistencies that that are are stopping me from saying, "Wow, this is this is an awesome series," and I can't wait to see where it goes. Well, it Marvel, is pretty. Marvel's kind of seemed. I don't think they 
care as much about the timeline right now. I mean, New Avengers seems like it's happening in a totally different place than even Avengers or, you know, like everything seems to be at different points in time. Like Cap seems like, I don't even know where Cap is taking place and Iron Man. That's a whole nother. Yeah. Another thing. There's something because it's, I mean, if, if you have, however, with, with New Avengers and, and where they were, um, they were going up against the Justice League and, and trying to save a universe. I don't know. There, there, there was no, there was no clock. So I don't know how many hours those four, five, six issues en- encompassed. And Avengers is, is popping down future timelines and, and has the original Sin tie-in. And, um, Captain America is pretty much what was neat about Captain America is after he returned from Dimension Z, Remender references that in Uncanny Avengers. Mm-hmm. And continues this, this, the, 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 the time storyline in there, but then in, in Remender's ongoing cap, now he's, he's old and you have all of that going on. So yeah, things are not haphazard, but it's not as, I guess it's not as, as, as fluid or easy to follow as it used to be. Ah, oh, brother. It'll probably sink up during, uh, yeah, Axis. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, oh. I mean, we'll, we'll look back. Oh, okay, so that's where, and, and it's not, I mean, I'm the first dude to tell you, you know, well, how can, how can Wolverine be an X-Men and an Avenger? How can Batman be in Batman of the Outsiders and Detective and mm-hmm. Brave and the Bold? And it's like, it's like, you know, there's so many hours in a day, so many days in a week. Not everything's happening at the same time. But as with everybody having their own book, and teaming up in different books, it's it's a little bit more of a mess. I think Wolverine wants to die. Yeah, I I think he's as tired of himself as we are of him whoa, whoa, whoa. As, as, as a character. <laughs> no, really, I, I think the dude just like all right, I, he isn't. I had a great run, and I, I was on top for a lot of years, and now you know what? I need to go away for a little while and let let some other characters take the the spotlight. So I'm I'm just gonna bow out in 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 the way that uh, has uh, pretty much uh, suited my life up until now. I'm gonna go out and fighting and fighting big and taking a lot of bad guys with me and take my final bow. You, you'll get the tonic and that's it for a while. That's what I th- that would be perfect if Marvel makes good on this for at least like I'll be optimistic a year. Maybe. That, well, yeah, but I would love to see like two, three years. That, I mean, that's not a, out of the realm of possibility, but it would be nice. But yeah, you know, I, I would love to see him just like go away for a little while. And it's almost like he's not going away because then you're going to have Logan's legacy. All mm-hmm. these books coming up, like the shadow of Logan is going to be in every one of them. So it's not going to be, it's going to be like he's not even gone anyway. Right. But he, it's just not, you know, I could do without hearing Bub for a little while. That's all. I, well, I, I always loved Wolverine, but the, I swear when they started doing that, he can regenerate from anything. It just took so much of the, yeah. the weight of, but, of what he does. Like when he gets hurt, he gets hurt so bad. I used to love when they would say, uh, I have to go into a healing coma. They would yell at him like, Logan, you got to go into a healing coma because you can't take all this damage. And he pretty much, you know, <laughs> ignores it and goes out and gets hurt anyway. 
and then Nitro burns his ass right down to the skeleton yeah. in yeah. Civil War. But by a half hour later, hey, what's up, dudes? Yeah. He's he's back up. You know that that's the lick. Yeah, there's no weight to him now when he gets hurt. It doesn't matter anymore. So they have to do something. I hope when they bring him back, that um, that they do take away that healing factor, and or at least put it to the point of where it was when Miller and uh, Claremont was. You did the mini, right. you know, like he could be hurt. He can heal from stuff that a normal person could not, but he still could be killed if he gets too much damage. Right. Or, or it w- would be nice if Reed does what Reed does and in the interim comes up with something that will like squelch that radiation from his, the adamantium where he has to take like daily or weekly, you know, up, uh, procedures just to keep it in check that would make him at least you know more vulnerable than he is with that damn healing factor yeah but it won't be reed that will come up with that because they don't care about him anymore it'll be somebody else sadly it's a sad would do it yeah you're right yeah maybe pin particles that'll do it i mean he was the last person that wolverine went to like when (laughs) like you go to reed last if you're a dumbass, usually you would go first, right? Well, exactly. You always what... go last. I mean, when has Reed ever healed anybody? Right. He doesn't heal anybody. He fixes stuff, just not the thing. But he played it <laughs> off. He played, yeah, that's true. But, but Reed's all playing. He's like, no, that, I understand. You know, you know, you went to everybody else and we're, we, we've never been close. It's like he made it sound like fucking Wolverine, Logan looked for Amadeus Cho and everybody else before he, uh, Pretty much. even thought to, yeah. But you know, I mean, it's like, but at least that worked because we didn't need, you know, pages and pages of watching, you know, Sad Sack Logan go from scientist to scientist looking for help. That's true. That would have not been great. That's true. Yeah. Incredible Hulk theme music playing in the back. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sad band. We started, we would have started off with the piano and then according to Vince, the way he's making it sound is he's going out listening to Freddie Mercury. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. He does want to break free. <laughs> Mario, what have you been Jones and I? You told me something you read, and I'm very interested in hearing about that. I read um, Grant Morrison and Fraser Irving's Annihilator Ooh. from uh, Legendary Comics. Anybody else read this? I'm guessing no. No, I didn't hear about it. I have it, but I have not read it. Yet. Um, this is the first thing I've read from Legendary. I don't know anything else they did except for Holy Terror. Did they do any? Have they, is it based for any other legendary comics? The Tower Holy Chronicles, awesome dude. Yeah. What is that, David? The Tower Chronicles by oh, yeah. uh, Wagner and uh, Bisley. I did read Back that. In the, yeah. They did um, that uh, Hercules series back in the day. Yeah. And the uh, the western with the King Arthur theme, um, not Caliber. Was it Caliber? I, I think it was Caliber. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they. they all of their books, or, or the vast majority of their books, were in uh, in hopes of securing that wasn't film. Legendary, right? That was. Um, I think so. Was that the one that the, the company that's gone now? Cowboys versus Aliens. No, no, no. Um, the uh, didn't Grant Morrison's dinosaur thing come out from them too? The the book with the the dinosaurs versus. Uh, Flying Saucers, whatever the hell the name of it was. Oh, yeah, what was that? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. But anyway, we ha- we collectively, we haven't read a lot of stuff from this company. I think you're thinking of Radical Comics. Ah, yeah, Radical. That's what, that's what I'm thinking they're of. They're gone. Dude. Yeah, they're very yeah, gone. Yeah. Okay. All right, anyway. 
So, but you said Holy Terror, and you got me all excited because I love that book. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I, that's apparent. <laughs> anyway, so um, masterpiece. No masterpiece. No, I'm sure it's not. Um, so Annihilator. It's um, I think it's a, I think it's it's like a limited series. I think it's supposed to be like six issues. Um, mm-hmm. I thought when I first got it, I saw it. I thought. Well, this is six issues. This is so going to be set up like they did. Grant Morrison wrote a graphic novel and they broke it up into six, you know, parts. That's what I thought it was going to be. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a, it's an issue of a comic. Um, we have this character named, um, Ray Space. His last name is spelled S-P-A-S-S, but he corrects everybody that says Spass. He's like, it's pronounced Space. Um, he's a screenwriter. And, uh, he moves into this big old Hollywood mansion, um, where apparently there was demon worship before. So, or so like the, uh, real estate agent is telling him. And he wants to go in there cause he's, what he's doing is he's gonna write a big sci-fi horror epic. And that's what half of the book is about, is him working on, uh, his screenplay. The other half is the actual screenplay like you're seeing it happen you know like it's it's like it's it itself is the sci-fi story side of it and that's about a character named max nomax Ah, nice uh who is imprisoned in a black hole type thing uh on the edge of space it's called the great annihilator and uh and it keeps going back and forth between these two different stories but uh the screenwriter Ray Space, he hasn't written anything for years. Um he was a, he used to be like a really successful screenwriter, but he lost his female love at some point. I'm not quite sure. I can't I don't think it, they let you know yet if she's dead or if she just left him. But he carries around a picture of her. Um and she basically like you know, haunts him. Not literally, figuratively. Um and what he he's supposed he's meeting with his agent, he's supposed to be writing a new sci fi film that's like they even say they want this to be our tight, our Batman tentpole franchise. And he's like behind deadline. He's working on it in this, this house. And it, I mean, it's, it's typical Morrison in the fact that it, it's a story about story. Um, mm. there's this duality between, um, the two characters. Uh, and by the end, I don't want to give anything away. I'll go. I'll spoil, spoilers. Let, let me, let me, let me guess. What? The, uh, space is writing the Max Nomax story. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's the whole, I mean, you know that from the beginning. He's writing the Max Nomax story. Right. Yeah, but by the end, um, well, what happens is, uh, but it, this is, this, I mean, the first issue is all set up, so I guess it's not really that spoilery. But he, he ends up going to the doctor, the main, the <laughs> character, Ray Space, and he has a, he has an inoperable brain tumor. Um, and then the character in the sci-fi thing is talking about how he's going to find a cure for death. So he's so, so he's writing this, much like Grant this, Morrison has done in the past. He puts himself into it, so he's trying to find a cure for death through his through his uh, screenplay. But then at the end, the character Max Nomax shows up in Ray's house. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I mean it's a story about writing and Hollywood and. Um, a writer interacting with his characters on multiple level. It's like, it's pure Morrison. Um, and then the art is Fraser Irving, which is, you know, it's Fraser Irving. Say no more, right? It's, it's yeah. beautiful. 
it's it feels it feels very very European more so than I think some of his other stuff has in the past. Um, there's this great um, orgy scene in the middle, ooh, um, with Ray, and he has a ton of hookers come to his house. He hires these hookers to come to his house while he's writing, and he's doing coke and he's smoking weed, and he's and and you know it's Grant Morrison, it's basically Grant Morrison, you know, and um. There's this two-page spread. It's Fraser Irving two-page spread. It's it's just it's a huge orgy scene. While he's working, they're all sleeping with each, you know they're all messing around with each other, and um, I mean it, the the layout is really crazy. It like messes with your brain a little bit. It feels like, and it it never made it made me never want to participate in an orgy. What? Yes, the, I mean <laughs> it, it it will turn you off from an orgy. You're out your as Jason would say, you're out your goddamn mind. <laughs> Not an orgy guy. <laughs> Not anymore. No, no. I've seen the pictures. Don't you know what it means to be an orgy guy? <laughs> changes everything. It changes everything. Um, he never walked the same after an orgy. Um, but his, you know, the art's great. Fraser he uses his storytelling is pretty basic, straightforward. There's nothing like super great about it. But he uses different color coloring for the two different stories that are happening. Oh, nice. Um, and then as as the book progresses, it starts to blur. And it makes sense at the end because the Max is entering Ray's world. Um, but uh, darkness plays a pretty big part in it. The, the book, there's a lot of darkness in it. Um, I'm gonna have to get it's on good. this. Good. I don't. I, I picked up the first issue because my initial thought was I'll just get it when it's collected. I, I thought you know I'd read it better that way, and I probably will still do that. But I mm. grabbed the first issue just to see if that's something that I would want to do. And it totally is something I want to do. It's, I mean, it's, I like stories about story. That's, that, it, it, that gets me going. Um, right. my one critique would be, my one major critique, I guess, would be that it's, it's a shame that the only female characters in the book are dead or prostitutes. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, if, if you're not thinking about it, you're like, oh, okay, it's just a story about this guy and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you either don't include women, or if you include women, you don't just make them dead, you know, objects of desire, prostitutes, you know, something like that. Yeah, but Morrison doesn't have a tendency to do that, and it is no. pretty early in the game, so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just the tone of the first issue. There's a lot of there's a there's a there's a ton of eye imagery in this. I'm just now seeing that tons of close-ups on eyes, and it's good. I definitely would suggest picking it up. Um, Maybe I'll read that after we're done tonight. I'm surprised. Do you have it? You do. Have I it. do. Um, yeah, man. You watch that orgy scene. You tell me you want to be in an orgy when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I like the play on names though. Ray Space. You know, Max yeah. No Max. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Daryl Taylor. Yes. Now, my pick is... I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, wait, wait. Hold up. Hold uh, up. Hold up. We need to talk about this Baltimore Comic Con, specifically uh, that, that Vampirella cosplayer you, you took a photo with, because she was gorgeous. Where is this so, picture? Is this on your face nice. space? It's all it's over. His, yeah. Yeah. She was. I mean, the Supergirl, was that what the other one was? Yeah, I can't even was. tell you. She was okay. Adult but. But the uh, the Vampirella, she was very special. Oh my goodness! I was like, I saw the picture. And I said, that bastard! Look how close he is to her. Very pretty. I smelled her too. Oh, oh God. I sure did. 
I wonder. I wonder if she's a. I'm assuming that she's a pro because if she shows up at New York, man, they better have armed guards. They better. But she, yeah, she's yeah. very sweet. I mean, I, I went. I was with Mike and and uh, Chris Campbell, and we, he just happened to to run over there and he wanted to take a picture with them. Um, but he took it tastefully. But uh, but then she looked and she said, uh, "Don't you want to get a picture too?" And I jumped over there and snatched him up. Uh, she seemed really well from the photo. She was she very seemed, nice, very sweet. Yeah, very sweet. good. It would ruin it if she was dirty. I don't think it would ruin it for me if she was. Nah, see, I have this this hang up on Vampirella. You you never show her naked. Uh huh. It's it's always the sizzle, not the steak, and she's got to be sweet. Yeah, but I'm the purest for a blood drinker. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying. Oh, no, well, I was just saying, but apparently, you know, she just adds to it, right? Okay. So, what what have you been reading there, Daryl? Uh, well, I got I, I've been reading Grayson's Futures End. I read mm-hmm. that. I had to I have to shout my boy out. Um, just by the stories by Tom King, the uh, he did the plot with uh, Tim Seeley. The art is by uh, Stephen Mooney. Um. And it and it goes with the it's just a one issue thing it's a possible five year in the future, uh, and it starts off with uh, you the end of the story begins in the in the, in the front so you see that they're gonna kill they're trying to they're they're hanging uh, Dick Grayson um, and he's wearing the uh, the Red Star if people don't remember the uh, Teen Titans the Red Star character uh, in Russia. Um, Basically, Spiral, they had to hook up with uh, and make an alliance with the KG Beast, who is pretty much taking over uh, Russia because they have to fight the parademons that have come over from uh, Earth 2. Um, and, you, of course, Dick doesn't want to do that. And, and as it progresses back, you, you kind of get to talking with uh, it's showing Hel- Helena, who also works with, with Dick, and it kind of shows their relationship, how it's they're, they're falling in love. They're kind of, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're bonding together. They're going on these missions, even though he's undercover working for Batman, but still, you know, Dick Grayson always falls for strong women. Um, and he's doing it here. And he, as they tell the story, he throws in a little code. Like Tom really did a, he did a great story of throwing in a little code from the code from the clue master basically and you when you read the book you can get the code i mean you you pretty much can figure out the code yourself but um they're just nice little love letters in it from uh there's a scene with batgirl uh kind of talking to him about um you know what kind of why we don't work and and what you need and it's not you know it's something that you need that that i can't give you and and i hope you find it and that little thing is in there and um it's just so smartly written um the art is a little weak. I, I think I would have preferred another artist to do it. Um, he was a little inconsistent on, on faces, especially, uh, women. Um, they kind of look like different women in every panel mm. when it's the same one. And that's, that's a little, uh, but the, the story and the script kind of, it, it's strong enough that you can kind of get the sense of, of what, uh, Tom is trying to, you know, show and display with, with Dick Grayson, and he does have to break his code. I know people would hate that, but he does kill the KG Beast. But he shows you why he did it, you know, to stop him from taking over, completely taking over Russia and, and giving up power. And um, 
even singing a song holding a child as they, you know, he devastated a, a, a small village just because, you know, that's, that's how power hungry this guy was. And, and Dick Grayson just couldn't stand by and, and let that happen, even if it meant he probably would get killed doing it. So, but I, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a good one, one shot, one shot story. Yeah. I looked through it at the shop. I'm, I have to admit, I'm, I'm really distracted by shiny objects and, and no, seriously. And the, these, these lenticular covers, they're, they're, they're getting my attention. It, it's hard to look at anything else when you got them all stacked up on, on the, on the table like that. And I, I look through the, the, uh, Grayson one and I have the same, um, pretty much the same comments you do that, uh, it, it looked like I read a little bit and it, it reads really well, but, I gotta say that the art was it. Well, I didn't buy it, so I guess that's the 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 uh, deciding factor, right? Did I buy? Was it good enough for me to buy? Did I think it was good enough? No, I didn't. I didn't take it home, but I liked what I read. Mm-hmm. What I love, you know, uh, when I while I was at Baltimore, being able to sit with Tom for a while and look at the uh, look at people come over to his table is they had read the book, and I thought kind of I I thought that with the art being as weak as it was, that the people were not gonna respond as well but people were coming over they even had a couple of people dressed as uh grayson from the book oh nice um yeah uh, one of them was a female i mean she was really excited about it so it was just cool to see people kind of dig it because i know it's not nightwing he's not in suit right now um but they just embraced it like every all weekend he had people at his table uh coming over they wanted him to sign stuff take pictures with them all types of people dressed as Nightwing, Robin, or whatever—they were coming over to the table. So it was, it was really, you know, really cool to see him get that, uh, you know, recognition because he worked. He was a monster trying to get the script done. I mean, he really wanted it to to work well, and he wanted everybody to kind of get it because you don't see too many comics written that way, you know, in that form of of, of the ending and all, and then you you work your way back. So and then putting in little codes and stuff like that it was just you know something he was worried that the you know the audience just wasn't going to you know take to it so no no it really felt like it had a very personal touch yeah yeah it really did. and i i think from all of the futures end number ones that i read i i've bought five i bought three and i read five mm-hmm. this one seemed like the most uh it stood out as being unique in the fact that there was a very personal touch going yeah. on which was cool yeah yeah yeah, I gotta say I, I'm enjoying this stuff, but the the whole mechanic of the five years in the future thing is starting to work against me because I, I can't tell you how many times they have characters saying, "Well, you remember so and so and what happened," and the whole you know carrot on the stick is they don't tell you what happened. So, you know, it could possibly happen, it could possibly not happen, but the specifics are left out, which is cool in small doses, but every single book that I read had one, had something like that in it. And at this point, it's getting really annoying. Like, I, I read The Infinity Man mm-hmm. and The Forever People, and, and I, I enjoyed it, but it's like, oh, there's a war with the Omax, and you know what happened to this person, and we can't talk about this, and she's still recovering from the loss of this person, and they don't say, and and it, it it's starting to be really annoying now. That I mean, there's so many question marks, many of which, let's be honest, are probably not going to be fulfilled. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, 
you know. Oh, yeah. So it's it's just the, the the tease is cool in small doses, but when it's line wide like this, it's it's really grating after well, a while. I think they should just not. Wor- I mean, I know they're so worried about everybody has some crit- you know criticizing the story or it's not going to matter or whatever. But I think they should just embrace it and say this is one shot. They're gonna play with future, you know, play with the future and and say a whole lot of shit happens, but. It's just a one shot type of thing. More than yeah. likely, it's not going to happen. So just don't worry about it. But the, you know, comics they don't ever want to say a story doesn't matter because right. they're scared someone's not going to pick it up. So they have to kind of play along with that. And I think they should just not worry about it. The one that I read that was really great, and it gives me very extreme hope for DC, um, was the Justice League United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don Dawn- Star is a member. Yeah. Now you sit, you know, as soon as you bring the Legion into it and the possibility of that, that whole realm coming back into the new 52, you got my attention. And I hope they make good on that. Because who's to say? It could be just Dawnstar. It could be more than, you know, it could be all of the Legion. And we, we desperate, I mean, I know sales aren't the greatest, but DC needs a Legion book. Damn it. I would, I would, I'm looking, well, when I saw they were advertising, uh, Legion, they were going to do something, uh, with it. I think as an annual or something would be coming up or where it'll be yeah. in the back or, or something like that. Yeah. No, it's going to start in Lemire's, uh, the new arc right. of Justice United. Yeah. Right. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm cool yeah. with that. There are plenty of books of DC. I know, I know it's not safe territory over here to oh, say you uh, like DC uh, 52. Uh, but, no, we uh, have, have our love. It's just that, come on, let's be honest. I don't have any love. Well, as, as for as much as they hit, they miss. You know, there's a lot of just unnecessary stuff going on in the New 52. The Dio said it himself that the second year of New 52 was basically treading water. Well, yeah. You know, you, I, that's wait, why I hook up on the ones that I love and you drop sure. the ones I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the whole line is, is was terrible, but they were, no. you know, some you drop and, and some you don't. And yeah, they're still trying to figure it out because you can tell they rushed the doing dc 52 and they're still trying to decide what side of the line they want to be on you know what they want to draw the line at and what they want to do and and i hope with the addition of of books like uh what gotham academy and and kind of getting some new names in there that uh they will do that you know they will play having tom king is a name they never you know that's somebody completely new yeah having him on a book like this um you know that that's speaks wonders because that doesn't ah, happen this, all the time this is a an optimistic daryl where'd you come from <laughs> what what have you done with daryl right. i don't have to love trees to be optimistic do i well i don't know i mean, I mean this is uncharacteristic for you well at least at least the daryl i remember i don't know what you're talking what's about. going on i don't know what you're talking about yeah. you know we could pretty much call this episode the the let's um Give Tim Seeley a big old hug because I got something, and it was written by Tim Seeley. What do you got? Illustrated by Jim Terry, color art by Sean Dove. Crank did the letters, Crank and a ton of <laughs> I know it's <laughs> ugly. And uh, Chris Bruner and Rico Renzi did the cover. It's from Dark Horse, and it's called Sundowners Number One. I read it. You did, and um. You know, I gotta give Seely a lot of credit for for a dude that basically made his name on Hack Slash. He is killing it, and he's not doing Hack Slash. 
You know, he, he moved away from his signature property and everything he's doing, he's nailing it. Um, uh, Sundowners, you mentioned him on Grayson. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and revival with, with Mike Norton. Yep. It's, it just seems like, I, I, I hesitate to say this, but the farther he moves away from Hack Slash, the more popular he's getting. And, and, and the, the work is just amazing. Not that Hack Slash wasn't amazing. I love it. But you gotta admit, that's for a very specific audience. It, it is. It really was. Yeah, I mean, Chris Campbell and I love it, but, you know, try and win over people who don't have a love for horror and exploitation movies and, you know, icky, creepy things and, uh, but, but this Sundowners, it's really unique. It, it's, it's, I, I thought it was amazing. Um, the setup is you got a dude, uh, a very, well, let's be honest, a very shady dude named David Shredjik. He's known as Shreds. And according to him, which may or may not be true, he has a doctorate in psychology. But when when you read this and, and you're introduced to the character, and it's the entire book, it's not just, you know, this character, all of reality is cast uh, into question. Everything in the book could could operate on one level, could be totally different, but you don't know. See, that's the thing. This guy is, is the host, uh, he calls himself the listener, of uh the Chicago Mental Health Center's Sundowner Support Group. And and the assembled uh in that group suffer from what he has coined sundown syndrome. It there's like a superhero fetishism thing going on here where you have these members of this group who experience things uh at night. Actually, like so, it's the so-called sundown syndrome. Whether they have uh, a desire to to right wrongs or, well, well, you'll see. Uh, the one of the group members, her name is Tila Alcala. Thank you, Alfredo. Uh, and her night name, as they call their their alter ego names, their night name. Her name is Crolita. She's an exotic dancer who kind of barged in on some high high strangeness at a party. Where her dancer buddy Megan was in this room surrounded by men, right? That's not so strange. You know, whatever. Um, but one of the men in the room, Crowley, realized had a transparent head. She could see the dude's skull, right? This blinding skull. And so she, she beat feet out of that club. She's gone. And days later, she's questioning the reality of the situation, right? And, and, and it, that's something that the reader will do multiple times during the course of this issue. Um, because she she asks her her dancer friends back at the the stomping grounds about Megan and nobody can remember this girl. It, it's almost as if somebody has erased this person from history, from reality, just plucked her out. Right? You got a a gigantic African American called the Concerned Citizen. This guy is big and burly. Uh, he's the most traditional uh, of the afflicted. Uh, he's a behemoth. And he puts on a special costume and a mask and patrols the hood at night. He helps old ladies with their groceries. He covers up sleeping winos. I mean, the dude is basically a kind soul, a genuinely, so far, a genuinely nice soul, right? He's also a conspiracy theorist and a paranormalist like David Icke. He believes that the reptiloids are distributing drugs in the hood to kick up all these chaotic conditions, you know, infighting, mistrust, fear, and and we question reality when some of that wackiness that he believes is true 
happens when he's corralling this this perp one night. He he's got him hanging over the ledge like like Batman, you know, and he's he's grilling the dude, and his arm goes numb, and he and he drops him, and when he gets to the street, the dude is gone. That you know, just gone. So um, you got another woman named uh, her her night name is Arcanica. But uh, her name is uh, Andrea Bish. She's a kleptomaniac. And her her slant is she believes that the more she sins, the more the more bad things she does, the more power she'll have to right wrong. She believes she's God's chosen. Evil in the service of good, in her own words. Uh, she wears a superhero costume all the time. She's in the mall shopping. She's got the superhero costume on with the with the cape and and she's stealing shit. And um, during one of those trips, she she sees a person, a woman, involved in a car wreck. And the, the lady's all pinned in the car. And, and she gets on, having just shoplifted, she gets on top of the car. And she believes she has the power of Samson to get this woman out. And she's pulling and, ah, and she can't do it. And she's she's basically obstructing the paramedics from doing their jobs. And people are calling her like a wacko. Get out of here, you goofball. You're, you're stopping the real work from being done. And so she reasons that she didn't have enough power because she didn't sin enough. She's nuts, yeah. right? Mm. She's like a takeoff of Miss, uh, Miss Misery from uh, Sleeper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. I did too. Um, but uh, last but not least, you have the patient wolf. Uh, also known as Old Man Carl Wolf, and this guy is the strangest of all of them because he's he possesses these jumbled memories that involved ancient entities called the Elderkin and possession and oddly colored ectoplasm. He's he's rec- recalling the 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 incident and he, and this ectoplasm just blah, comes out of this guy and he's like, I don't even know what colors those were, so I made up my own names for the colors, you know. Um, speaking in tongues, and I, I think old Carl, initially, I thought, this dude is off his rocker, but he may not be. They may all not be, because at, by the end of the issue, stuff happens, crazy, you know, reality-bending stuff that throws everything you read up until that point into question. Every single thing. It's... It, Seely did magic with this book. And the very last panel, I'm like, I am in for the frickin' duration because I want to know what's happening here. Yeah, I want David, to. David, did you feel the same way? I, yeah, I got to the, there was enough going on where, um, it, it was a good hook. It, it, it got me interested as I was, uh, some of it started to become, Noise. It, it was, um, he, he's, he's sitting there listening to, to, cause that's his new calling now. And he's, I guess it kind of just sounded like the same person was talking. The same, the same person was telling four stories instead of each, each sundowner being unique in, in my ears. I just, it, what concerned citizen was saying kind of just blended into the previous sundowner and the neck. So it, it, that kind of slowed it down a bit for me. But then once, once the session was over and people are going out and, you know, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah. You can just, you know, push all the shit I stole today, add it away. And, and it, 
then picked up a bit and, and, uh, I, especially that last panel, I'm like, yeah, no, I need to, uh, see where they're, where they're going with this. Hmm. I, I, I mean, and I know I've, I've, I haven't read as many things from Sealy as, as you have, so I haven't, I, I don't, uh, I don't quite know what his voice is, so to speak, but it's, um, the idea itself is, is intriguing. I don't think that's the thing about Sealy. I don't like reading his hack slash to revival to everything else I've read from him so far. He doesn't have a a distinct style. I don't think he's a chameleon, like like more. Yeah. Okay. Like Ellis. Yeah. Cool. But there's really nice flourishes in the book that didn't have to be done, but they just further cement these characters for me. Like. um Arcanica to the, to the obvious eye, uh, so to speak, she looks like the girl next door, but she's in the, uh, changing room in the, in the, in the mall and she's got a tramp stamp. You know, it's, it does not look like the person, the kind of girl that would get it, uh, not that that's bad, I'm just saying, <laughs> but she, she, she's got this big tribal ta- tramp stamp on the back and you could, you, you can infer that she got it from, that she, she thinks it's wrong but got it anyway because she wants to sin. She wants to bolster her power and, and there's, there's sigils in it. Um, the art by, uh, Jim Terry, I can, it's somewhat akin to Brian Chirilla, which to me is a win. Uh, it's, it just has the right amount of shadows. It's, it, it's very brushy, very, um, fluid. I love the art. The color is amazing. I thought this was pretty much a perfect issue. A little retro too in the art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not too heavy handed. No. It's, re- uh-huh. it's really nice. And you know, I, I, I like the clear line style, but I would much prefer the, uh, I love a brush stroke. I, w- I would take a brush stroke over a clear line any day. And, um, it's, it's just messy enough. There's just enough grit to, to, to set the tone. I just, I think this just issue is just phenomenal. And, um, I read it and I added the rest of the series to my orders and I, I, I want a long box full of sundowners. It looks like a nineties vertigo book to me. I'm looking at some preview pages. It's got yeah, that, that feel in the art, like a, like, I don't even know, like, uh, some of those books of magic or, uh, the yeah, dreaming I, I, from the nineties. I see a little Richard case in the yeah, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, which, yes, which, yes. which is cool. Which is cool, yeah. right? Um, be one of the cool kids. Don't wait for the first trade on this. Say that you can tell people you can get lots of women by telling them, hey, I was in on the ground floor of Sundowners when you're sitting in the movie theater for the eventual screenplay because or adaptation because I could see this being a movie. Right? I can see. Yeah, I can kind of see them doing something. Yeah. With I love it. I, 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 that, good job, Tim and, and company. Keep it up. I, you'll, you will. I don't have to tell you that. So yeah. Uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a break here because I have a surprise interview with the self-proclaimed undisputed outlaw god of the underground anthology. The absolutely amazing, in my estimation, Victor Cairo. 
He's unbelievable. And I'm going to talk to him for a little bit, and then we will come right back and get back into the thick of things. So you listen to that right now. We'll be back. Go ahead. Have fun. We'll be waiting here for you. You're pretty. Okay, guys. I am here with a very unique voice in the uh, comic book wilderness, so to speak. Uh, a dude that is the self-proclaimed, undisputed outlaw god of the underground anthology. He's been Geez, everywhere. Uh, he's been in the big book of the 70s for DC. He worked uh, some magic in uh, Chris Pitzer's Project Superior over at Ad House. Showed up in Dirty Danny's uh, Legal Action Comics. Study Group 12. True Porn for Alternative Comics. House of 12. Cheese Hasselberger's gig. He was in Kramer's Ergot. Uh, New Identity, Ian Harker's Rub the Blood, which is really close to my heart. We talked about that on the show, if you bastards pay attention. Uh, he also does gig posters. Uh, his work has been featured on Beautiful Decay, but the thing we're probably going to talk about the most is Bittersweet Romance from Drippy Bone Books, which is his very first solo showcase of, of the beautiful, beautiful work he does. Uh, he goes by a couple of aliases most notably uh bald eagles and the beard but you are going to get to know him as victor cairo because he's awesome and he's here with us right now hi what's up victor well um it's victor cairo okay get my name right thanks <laughs> i mispronounce everything i said cairo is in cairo syrup cairo as in egypt as in egypt cairo egypt Get it right, my friend. Very good. Come on my breath. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know where you start from. Where where does this chaotic, angry, explosive art come from? I see it. I'm I'm looking through um, Bittersweet Romance many, many, many times, and I'm thinking, damn, I I see the 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 Robert Williams influence in 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 the the uh, the overlapping sections of stuff and and the 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 intersecting and your work is basically screwing itself it's had there's there's sections that are having intercourse with other sections and and mixing to form this big exciting chaotic image where did all this come from you're self-taught dude uh where it came from was uh admiring the the masters i, I grew up you know watching just like anybody else the warner brothers cartoons all the, uh, the, I think it was like the Dino De Laurentiis and the, what do you call those, the uh, Pink Panthers and all that stuff. I like the classical stuff, conservative lines. I like that stuff. I like form. But just like uh, uh, I enjoy the uh, the abstract, the psychedelic, the stuff that's way out there. Uh, I've been a avid lucid dreamer since I was in my early teens. I've always had, uh, I've always just had a lot of imagery in my head. And, mm-hmm. and why these things, uh, they overlap and they, I interject all the stuff into a panel is because usually I'm only allowed so many pages, so much room to do stuff. And even when I do have complete control over how much I put into uh, a page, a panel, etc., I generally have, uh, I'm overloaded with my own images and my ideas and I say, well, this looks good, well, this looks good. And then aside from that, at some point my brain snapped and I fell in love with the the pencil marks from the primary drawings that I that I do, or like any like anybody does. If you look at the primary, the 
what they call the thumbnails of a drawing, uh, those are those are the ones that get erased. And those are the ones that have the initial idea embedded, with, it has the energy of your idea. Right. So yeah. I found ways to incorporate that and keep them because I fall in love with those. And uh, people that kind of took to my work early on, they don't really like the stuff that I'm doing now because it isn't as clear and as readable. And even then, I think maybe the stuff I did before maybe was too complicated for people. And it's not like the ideas are too complicated. I think the drawings may be complicated. But I, you know, I kind of stick to what I like. And sometimes it's to the detriment of the image or the story or the narrative, whatever, and it doesn't flow correctly or as people want it to. But, you know, I'm, I'm learning along the way. It's not, yeah. I don't have a fucking I... perfect science behind it or anything. It's just, uh, I kind of, I kind of go with, uh, with the uh, with my heart, I go with my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think it's it's once you take people out of their safety zone, and that's definitely what your work does. There's nothing safe about your work. I mean, panel borders are are too confining for you. You don't even use them. You, you're exploding off the page. But I think once you you nudge, well, in your case, shove people out of their safety zones from what they know about you. Like if you started in a more traditional way, and now you're doing this amazingly beautiful, groundbreaking stuff now, they're going to look at this and say, well, this is not the same stuff. Well, no, it's 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 different. It's explosive, right? And uh, I, I was smiling when you were talking about the pencil lines because you use everything in your work. In, in uh, Bittersweet Romance, you have uh, a sort of framing device where you use your... Um, brush sharpening like uh dabs that that you while you're inking or or painting you'll you'll you know just smooth out the brush a little bit on a piece of paper on the side you even use those in your work like you don't waste anything you're you're like the Amer an american indian you know you don't use every part of that buffalo you don't waste it and you use everything that's amazing you're incorporating all parts of your the process into your work yeah actually man i wish that uh, I did the, the Kramer's piece, and that's when I, I first uh, just, it wasn't an intentional thing, but I started with the Kramer's piece, I uh, I started to incorporate different instruments into the story, into the creating the story. Brushes, um, yeah, brush, ink brush, ink wash, et cetera. And then I figured, well, I, I, actually I thought that I wasn't going to incorporate the, uh, the the margins of the page. And so I used those as my sort of my, the, the part of the page that I would beat up the most and didn't care anything about it. But then I just, as I was unintentionally making these markings, I saw, I saw something in there and, but you know, I don't want to, you don't want to get lost in thinking about that stuff too much. I mean, these incidental things that just happen, you just let them, let them be. And I wish that when they printed that story in Kramer's that they would have included that. But, uh, I sent the full scans to Keenan for Dritic Bones and the, and the Bittersweet and, he had the enough uh, intuition to include those things, whereas uh, the Kramers, they, they, they uh, you know, I spent hours chopping that stuff out of the picture. But I, I mm. think it adds to it. Um, but, but yeah, uh, what was I thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Wait. No, I think it, it looks fantastic because there's a cohesiveness to it because the colors that appear in the margins with the, the brush finagling, they also appear within the 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 image area so so you have a balance you have a, a synergy the, the they complement each other because the same colors and 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 marking styles and you know way of moving their brush around it's in the whole thing there's there's a cohesion going on it, it, 
why don't more people do this? It, well, I guess if more people did it, then I guess I, I, I may feel uh, I may uh, I may not want to do it myself. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I but again, it's just more of a, more so just an, an accident, more so just me uh, just practicing, or a lot of it is just me being nervous to apply. You know, I, I, I have a security about my, my skill level and whatever and what I'm doing, oh. but at the same time, like anybody else, when you're, you know, the page, the paper is 75 cents a slice and uh, and you're committing this to print and then someone else is spending their money to print it, I want to make sure that it's good so that I, I, I you know, I, I try to beat the nervousness out of myself by, you know, putting a few dabs here, putting a few dabs there, maybe seeing how the colors correlate on the side and, and then eventually, or However, they do. They correlate with the image itself, and, uh, and not to say that this is going to be the the mainstay. Like I'm always every comic or every illustration I do is going to have these markings and these little uh, test dabs. But uh, you know, it, it has worked, and uh, it may not always work, and I may not always do it. And maybe you know, maybe eventually when I become uh, overly confident, or if my head gets full, or if my ego restores itself, then it's just going to look all clean, like a computer drew it. You know, but I hope that never happens. I hope I. Uh, me too. Yeah, me too. Stay small. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, I look at your artwork, and I like to try and find analogous styles. Like, uh, say, you know, you're looking at the work of of uh, artist A, and you say, well, you know, this section over here looks a little bit like Barry Windsor Smith, so maybe that's an influence. And you look over here, and like, well, there's a little Mobius over here in the way he drew that line. I can't find anything in your work where I, where I, I say, well, you know, this part looks like somewhat looks like the work of this artist. There is no precedent in in my eyes for the stuff that you do. It's amazingly unique. Well, I'm I'm just I'm experimenting as I go along. I I mean, I could settle with a style and just be like, well, okay, this is my style, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to secure gigs, feature gigs, get, get uh, an audience comfortable with what I'm doing, but uh, the idea is I want to keep myself interested in what I'm doing along the way, and and that, I mean, even if I, you know, if I if I have my own, I do have my own version of thumbnails, and I, I, I do get a little bit jealous when I, I don't want to say even use the word jealous, because I don't, I don't think I'm a jealous person, but when I look at a, a little... There's little vignettes or little little mini docus of other artists, and they you see that you see their storyboards or their thumbnails, and they they look they look like final drawings. And I say, don't fucking overdo it. Do not overdo it. Don't redraw that again. Don't re pencil and re ink that shit. And then they do. And then a lot of times I feel like they lost the initial energy. And so a lot of times I just my my thumbnails are so rough it they look stupid. And I'm okay with that because I want to really, you know, put the, that energy. I mean, the majority of my energy into the final piece. And I don't, I don't want to overdo it, overthink it, because I just feel like I don't have enough time as it is to do the stuff that I want to do. And uh, you know, when you're working a full-time job, you do. I have, I have these grand visions of I want this to look like this, and I want to incorporate this and this and this, and then, and uh, you know, really immerse the myself and the audience and whatever, and who cares. Uh, into the experience of the thing, but then I have to find my own version of what shortcuts are to make that, uh, you know, make it make it come to life. Otherwise, I'm just going to kill myself over each individual panel. So it's a it is a I don't know a struggle something. Yeah. Well, I got to say, um, I'm, I'm not a very jealous person either. But I look at your work, you and Josh Bayer. I I look at your stuff, and it makes me want to be that good. 
man, I had the pleasure, and the pleasure, and the distinct pleasure of, of meeting him and knowing him while in New York, where I lived there for uh, about two years, and uh, when we get along right away. And his stuff, in a lot of ways, you know, if, if you know, if just someone were to take a superficial glance, they would say, "Oh, there's, there's, I don't see the correlation between his work and and my work, whatever." If anyone even wanted to make the comparison, but right. uh, but I, I've, I've spent some time just looking over his shoulder and saying, "Wow, this guy has no hindrances." I, you know, he in mid conversation with a full mug of of coffee with his own homemade clay mug with his own emblazoned images all over the mug, drinking it, having conversation, YouTube or a fucking movie on the uh, on his laptop, talking, and then drawing the comic while he's doing it. I don't fucking know how he does that. Yeah, I, he's a monster. I, he's a monster, he's, so I, I really appreciate his abilities, yeah. you know? But his, his, yeah. stuff is, his stuff is all about, is like capturing the the energy and the the essence of the idea and everything into the uh, the paper as soon as it comes out. Whereas, like, I still kind of have to beat around the uh, rituals to get myself to a place where I am comfortable of putting, you know, again, I mean, it's, it's uh, those little markings, those little nervous markings on the side of my page to note my nervousness and my, you know, my partial inability to really let loose. And I'm trying to beat that. So hopefully there's less uh, margin markings in the future, and more of that is just pumped right into the image of the panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of the artists' uh, artistic influences in your work that I can't see? Uh, Mike Manley, the artist of Darkhawk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've tried to outreach to this guy a, a couple different times back in the day. Uh, no response. I, had a, I did have a course, a mini correspondence when I was in my teens with a Canadian cartoonist who was excellent. And I guess his work could be seen as very different than mine. He kind of did similar, what the fuck do you want to call that? Uh, kind of like um, a flaming carrot-flavored, innocent, fun, slightly morbid, uh, vaguely autobiocomics. His name is uh, Jay Stevens. And yes. when I was young, I, I, would, I would send this guy these. I, I loved him. He did a book called uh, the, the Land of Nod. The Land of Nod, and before that it was Sin... Sin Comics. Yep. The one uh, with the bullet hole on the cover. That yeah, that's a great book. I thought, man, this guy is this guy, you know, as a teen, I'm like, this guy is cool. He's doing the indie comics, he's put he does a newsletter, he sends me a newsletter. Wow, he responds to he responded to at least one of my my handwritten letters. I this is cool. I know a famous guy. <laughs> he's just a cart you know, at, at the time, you know, he wasn't uh, he was just a you know, struggling cartoonist. Or I don't know, I don't know, maybe he wasn't so struggling, whatever, but you know, he was just a he was a, he was a cartoonist and a, and a very an excellent cartoonist and a great draftsman and laid out everything was readable and, and beautiful cartooning and uh, so I, I kind of I was you know kind of a goofy kid so I just sent him these ridiculous uh, messages or not messages uh, letters handwritten letters sometimes two mm-hmm. or three letters at a time uh, with my silly drawings and uh, and I wasn't you know again I was a early teen thirteen twelve thirteen fourteen around that, that age. And uh, growing up in a, in a smaller community where uh, I didn't, you know, I, there's a, a huge age gap. You know, he's maybe like 15 or 10 years older than me. So, uh, you know, he's privy to a lot of intellectual stuff and uh, cultural awareness and uh, cultural sensitivities that I wasn't. So I would just write him these ridiculous, nasty uh, uh, letters that I thought were funny, you know, that were... They had racial stuff and had homophobic stuff in there, but you know, I thought it was 
like, yeah, I'm being edgy. I'm talking to an older guy, so now I got to be edgy, you know. Or I didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. I, that wasn't even the thought because I was young, and so I wasn't really aware of what I was doing even. And I just got to a point where uh, I think I tried to uh, contact him when I was 20 years old, and he said, like, dude, like, you know, this is some of the stuff is funny, but I really just I, I can't I can't deal. And you know, I had to respect that, and I understand because the, the dude went totally pro, and uh, you know, made a good career for himself, and. You don't need to have uh, the baggage of some fucking, you know, lunatic, uh, you know, with his insensitive, ugly ramblings, uh, you know, attached to you as you're trying to ascend and, and uh, make good for yourself. So I totally got it. But, yeah, he was one of my major influences as a young cartoonist into what I became now. And, you know, even I'm trying to be more sensitive. I got a lot of feelings myself that I've been, <laughs> I've been hiding with these fucking ridiculous drawings of guns and penises and sex and... Uh, hate and whatever, but you know, uh, I guess I think I do. I do say the nice things that I want to say, one way or another, uh, through these means of drawing these things. You know. Yeah, right. I, I, you do have a heart because uh, as I'm reading uh, Bittersweet Romance, it's. I mean, on the surface, the the story is 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 pretty nasty, but as as you proceed through it, your heart seems to. To the heart of the story kind of bubbles to the surface and it becomes uh, something else entirely, uh, a story about, you know, learning from your mistakes and, and um, putting yourself in, in, in other people's shoes, so to speak, and just about feeling. It, it's, it's about learning to feel or approximate what others feel. And you don't get that early on. Early on, it's pretty damn brutal, you know. And uh, I thought, man, this is rough. But then you, you kind of pulled the wool over my eyes and, and made me see that you, there's, a, there's a feeling, thinking dude behind all this. And um, another thing that got me about the book is this bastard operates on two levels. It works perfectly well as an art book. I mean, you don't even have to pay attention at all to the story if you don't want to. Every page functions beautifully as pieces of amazingly well-crafted, just visceral, uh, chaotic, explosive art. But then once you get into the story, it's like, holy shit, this dude can tell a story too. I hope to get him with a double whammy, you know? Or, you know, just to yeah. wanna, if, I, if I'm going to commit it to paper and these trees are going to die and they're going to cry in their souls and I feel them when I eat the spores and I feel bad. <laughs> but, I mean, it's going to happen anyway with or without me. Maybe I, I need to step up to the plate and uh, and do my thing. Right. So how much of the bittersweet uh, romance story is autobiographical? 200%. Really? Sure. You know, I mean, we, uh, a person evolves. You know, they, they don't always uh, start out as a as a great guy. I mean, I wouldn't say 200%. That's an exaggeration. I mean, some of it is, uh, you know, it's observed through the periphery of just, uh, you know, just knowing other people and uh, having my own experiences. You know, without, you know, uh, being upworthy or trying to put someone on the crucifix and say, so this person did this, or I did this, and I, that, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you know, these, these, these things exist, and I, I put them in a way that's exaggerated, and it's not, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to crucify anybody except for everyone and myself. And, but that's okay, I think, you know, fuck it, have a laugh. Don't be so fucking self serious. Um, True. You can you can do you can be self serious, but then you know take a step back and, and realize that you know you're also part of the fucking problem too. And when you're not, you're not. And uh, you know, I guess uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, 
So t- uh, what about that, that childhood? So tell me about some of that. Like where, where did all this come from growing up? Growing up, just a, a regular, regular kid went to school. Uh, I always liked to draw. I think, you know, I went to school. I sort of, I think I conned my way into getting a high school diploma. My mind was always elsewhere. I was always drawing stuff. My always thinking about things. Always uh, just lost in my own fucking world. While again, just uh, taking what I could take in, or taking what I chose to take in, and you know, making my way through that. But you know, I think a pretty standard Midwestern uh, middle class family. You know, I don't even like saying middle class. Whatever. You know, a family where you know the parents worked, and there's love in the house. And then there was other things too, you know. No, mm-hmm. no household is perfect. Again, you know, it's like I'm not. I don't. I don't think I had some crazy, uh, like overly insane, abusive household. But I mean, you know, there was intensities. Intensities happened, and uh, intensities were were observed from other households. And then seeing the discrepancy between my household and other households, and da 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 da. And then, uh, you know, painting my own reality from that, or not even my own reality, I mean just uh, knowing the reality and being aware of mine and others and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, be as cognizant as possible and, uh, you know, seeing what, and, uh, you know, through the early 20s and, and through onto the 30s, just trying to figure things out to become more of a complete person and, you know, uh, learning from some uh, mistakes and experiences with doing this sort of uh, personal stuff, like how am I going to do this in a way that I want to save certain things. I want to say this and I want to say that. But how do I say that without um, hurting other people? Because I don't want to hurt other people. And some people just don't give a shit and they'll, you know, take a dump on someone's face or, you know, drive them to suicide. I don't need to have any of that shit on my conscience, but some people don't give a fuck. But, I mean, it probably I could sell a lot more books if I just said, you know what, uh, load up the video camera, get the snuff porn ready and we're going to start uh, melting plastic on eyeballs and salting uh, pussies and uh, cutting people up. And so, you know, I don't, that's not, that's not, a, uh, I don't know, I want to capture all these different things in the, in the books, uh, all the stuff that's in reality. I just, yesterday I watched, I watched a cartel video. How do you do that? How do you hack people up? How do you hack women yeah. up? How do you hack anybody up? And just do it with a, uh, fervently just cut their limbs off and, you know, and make them state that uh, their relation to the uh, rival cartels, and you know, and uh, have their breasts exposed. You know, did I watch that? Actually, I just watched it in a dream because you know, but it was there. It happened. If you look it up, anyone can right. see it. There's something very therapeutic about uh, any kind of uh, creative endeavor. I, I think where we can we can go into this. We can we can tread into these really taboo and, and dangerous and, and, you know, disgusting topics and, and fully realize them on paper, and it hurts no one. Absolutely no one. And, and it's a way of, of, of actually purging this stuff, whereas you get some of these people that want to, you know, put a, uh, well, we're going back years, but they want to put a rating system on this and they want to uh, get these out of the, the hands of, of minors, which they should in certain instances. There should be, you know, the, the hardcore porn stuff has no, no business in the, in the hands of minors. But what I'm trying to say is I, I don't think censorship is, is, is an issue when it's actually better if we just get it out of, of our heads on paper because it basically hurts no one. 
Yeah, and I do think that the intent means something. I do think that the intent means something. Uh, and uh, I guess there's a, a, some argument that's going on where it's like, yeah, it's like the intent means nothing. They're like things hurt, you know, and that's that. Black and white. Black and white reality. Well, uh, black, in a black and white reality, I should be uh, putting some pen, uh, concrete, and sealed off and, uh, and then, you know, putting the bottom of the river or something. Or, I mean, not just me, whatever. I'm not giving myself some uh, import or, you know, some uh, degree of importance, whatever. But I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just trying to yeah. put some visions out there, have some have some laughs at the expense at the expense of what we already know that's what's going on but it means not everything is illuminated and maybe maybe some things don't deserve and or need to be illuminated but uh, you know I draw what I want to draw and that's kind of like at the end of, at the, end of the day that's what I, I want to do and, and hopefully I cross my fingers that it's not like a detriment to society or whatever you know it's again it's just it's just like uh, one person uh, in my case who's just making this stuff, and I like it, and I, you know, there's a few other people that like it, so I'll do it. Well, I'm going to try and make sure that there's a whole lot of people who like this, because I can't get enough of your stuff, and you you have a vicious, vicious sense of humor. Like, in uh, the Bittersweet Romance, the, the one of the main characters is, is going through chemotherapy and uh, for breast cancer, and one page... Where the uh, the abusive dude flicks a, a lit cigarette at her, and he's got the the T-shirt on that says "I'm with mastectodon," and she has the <laughs> she has the head of a friggin' mastodon, and she's got crutches because chemotherapy, you know, knocks the shit out of you and takes out. I mean, as one who's been there, take you know, saps all your energy, and uh, and she's got a the the hospital gown on and the head of a mastodon, and it's just I, it it's it's disturbingly funny. To me, and and you just illustrate it so well. Well, yes, it's the the ultimate uh, humiliation of this character who is very selfish, who, who plays the father of the young, the young bittersweet, or uh, or not hero. Uh, he's uh, having this. He's going back in time. He's being taken into the into his memory banks, and uh, you know his, his father. You know he makes he makes the mother after her chemotherapy. You know, they drive home, and then there's a there's well there's a well wish parade or a type of uh, gathering of the neighbors and et cetera that are there to uh, welcome her back home. You know, after she's gone through her maybe her last or final or initial uh, chemotherapy session, and uh, but he really wants to make it all about him. You know, and there's a lot of people like that. And it's, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's I mean, it is ugly, but that's just the idea of of, of just illuminating that a person who is ugly and selfish is that and and uh, recognize you know recognizing where you know I have I have been that ugly and that's not that's not that's not where I want to be I think I've taken enough uh, trips on a walk with a bike and a, and a pizza that had mushrooms on it um, shiitake purely with marinara sauce and, and provolone cheese and uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so you know you just you you feel other people's feels you you recognize that it's not your world and that's the world that we all share, et cetera, blah blah blah, and uh, but yeah you know and it's I think it is funny and also just having the experiences of people being shitty to you and then learning from them and then becoming the oppressor yourself and then hopefully you stop being the oppressor too you know or otherwise you continue to. The, the cycle of the abuse and 
you know, you know, you know, you're not, you're not just a victim, but you, you know, you become what you, what you hate, what you hated. And the idea is to not be that person, you know, to, to grow out of that. And, uh, and our character, our bittersweet character, uh, this, uh, man, the pseudo man, he, uh, he, he has to contend with his own impulses and this self-generated or manifested, uh, figure known as the book, uh, I forgot what the fuck I even call him. Uh, Gemini Airlift. Gemini yeah, Airlift. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell them how, how the the cricket comes into the story, though. It, it shoots out of his dick. <laughs> well, he's, he's basically, it's her, it's her birthday again. And yeah. he has her bound and he has her gagged. This is his wife. And, and she, you know, she, I, he wants, she wants to get some preferential treatment, which he's not willing to give because every day is his birthday, essentially. Because that's the right. kind of asshole that he is, you know. He's, he's a man. It's a, a man's world. And, uh, you know, he's forcing her into a, uh, a blowjob kind of scenario and, you know, he's making light of it and he's joking about it and he's profited off of exploiting her for all these years. As you can see that he's, you know, he's made all this merchandise that is, uh, you know, based off of him exploiting her sexually uh, as a toy maker, or as a graphic artist, a designer, etc. And you kind of, you see this array of what he has done to her. And uh, as he's, uh, you know, he's forcing this this blowjob on her. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, you could say it's forced, but she's still doing it. Um, you know, as he doesn't have the uh, the finger cuffs on, and he doesn't have the taser out, and she's doing it. But she's crying, but still doing it. And then uh, this this van with the pentagram uh, descends from the from the whatever, and lands on her head. And while his cock's in her mouth, she bites his dick off, and. Uh, <laughs> So that's that's a you know this this stark you know uh, uh, you know this this rain of, of pain and blood shoots and uh, it, it stops it's you know it stops his reality cold in its tracks and you know what does he have before him but this mystical character uh, Gemini Hairlip you know the talker the man with the words and is he good is he bad is is it real is it not real and uh, and then we go from there. Yeah, and he 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 makes sure to take a couple minutes just to shake some salt into the guy's opened uh, open dick wound <laughs> in glorious detail. Oh, I love that panel; it is beautiful. But um, what what are some of the the uh, the media you use for this? I mean, obviously pencil, ink, and uh, what what are the colors? Are they acrylics or watercolors? How did you do this? This was a combination of prisma marker. Uh, pencil. There's these little, ger- these little German-made, very slender markers. They're called Stabilo or Stabilo or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it, but mm. they're, they're very fine. There's Vance. There's the pencil. There's Prisma marker. There's watercolor, and there's also acrylic. And and if there was anything else, then there was that. I'm not. I'm not even sure because I just sort of just whatever I I saw that I thought might make the images uh, more real or more strong or make them more pop. Uh, I would add it to the image. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of whatever whatever was at hand that I could work with because that's just, uh, again, you know, uh, I probably should have just settled for one set of tools. No, 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 no. No, no. This is, it's amazing the way it is. You, I, I think whatever you stumbled upon was exactly what this this book needed. It's it's incredible. I mean, you got to give yourself some credit. This stuff is amazing. Well, I, originally, I had 
penciled this, or I did, the, I did my roughs, and I did my notes, and it was a very simple, and it, it was very simple, and it was pretty much identical to what we see now. And the, it's still not done. I still need to do book two to finish the story. Mm-hmm. But um, my, I think my sober, superficial uh, intent was just, I'm just going to do something nasty. But then after really, you know, looking into the work and then working on it and then laying laying it down. Like I think the first the first ten or so pages that I did of this story I whipped out in two weeks. I just I had a I, I just went I just went boom and I busted it out. But as you know them, as you have you've seen them, it is not what it that's not what it was. I because then I, I eventually through the years I just I stalled on it because I thought, like, why am I doing this? Do I need to do this? Is this important to me to do this? And so I kept myself occupied doing other projects and gig posters or whatever or just illustrations that didn't necessarily even have any place to, to go to. No, you know, one was commissioning me to do these drawings. I would just do all sorts of drawings, put them online, and uh, you're not making any money off it and, and just wonder, like, why, why don't I have any money? You know, because I'm just doing whatever I want to do, and I wasn't focusing on the project or, this, or finishing this book. So I just I stalled. I thought, you know what? Like, how can I legitimize this? Is my should I even just even consider that to the factor of of like what am I doing? And I I really had to think about. Or I did I need to think about it? But I did, you know. Or I I just I chose to. Or it just kind of just naturally, organically became me thinking about what I what I planned on doing. And uh, and then I took I took some walks. I took some I took some day trips. And I thought about what I was doing, and then without really writing with words what I was doing, then the stuff, I just poured it into there with the markers, the stabilos, the acrylics, the watercolors, et cetera. And, uh, you know, what can be read from that? Uh, you know, who knows? You know, uh, you know let, let the reader decide. And uh, because I think it could, it could appeal to someone who, who just likes disgusting, gross things and, and gets off on seeing people suffer. Or it can, it can, like I said, it can go off as a, uh, it can be appreciated as a, an art book, or it can be, you know, some, you know, someone can choose to read it deeper if they want to. I prefer that mm-hmm. they, but they do, and but if they don't, I guess that's something I have to contend with. If, you know, if I if I poison somebody's mind, which is not necessarily what I want to do. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do that. But I mean, uh, there's no guarantee. I mean, I, I, you know, someone could say if someone really thought that I was a uh, a terrible person. Uh, they could blame Mike Manley for, for you know, for poisoning me because he poisoned <laughs> blame that guy. Because uh, Darkhawk number uh, nine, when Darkhawk and the Punisher team up, holy shit, that blew my mind. Uh, when Darkhawk and Venom fight in issue thirteen of Darkhawk, blew my mind. Simon Bisley blew my mind. Uh, yes. Keith Giffen, Lobo, those guys blew my mind. Uh, heavy metal, the movie blew my mind. All the garbage culture that, you know, is infused into my fucking brain that I can't escape from, you know, but I, I guess I, you know, I'm influenced by these things and they become a part of what I'm doing, what I'm saying. But I don't, I don't want to say that stuff is garbage either because it's, it's really not because those guys are thinking guys. Those guys are smarter than me. Those guys are, are uh, professionals, you know. They, they know what they're doing. So, um, good stuff. So, it's not even garbage. Whatever. Right. They, they did stuff. It did stuff, and I was influenced by that stuff. Yeah. Mike, Al- well, Mike, speak- Al- Mike, Al- Mike Alred's Mad Men. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Speak- Speaking family- of influence. Family-friendly <laughs> stuff. 
Uh, biggest influence now, Doug Mankey of the uh, famous for the mask. He did the the first run of the mask miniseries. Wow, dude! I don't. I, I, that's amazing. I don't see that at all. But I mean, I love Mankey too. It, that's incredible. And, and you're you're speaking influences. One of the uh, projects on which you worked was all about influences. And and uh, we're talking about the rub the blood, where um, the excesses and the uh, the characters and storylines of the '90s was uh, all uh, put to the tribute by you and a bunch of other extremely talented people. And you did the cover. Yes. Which is gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, and Rob Liefeld, too, was also, as a you know, young buck, and that was an influence as well. Because with him, and this is, I think subconsciously, and I think even when I was a little kid, I had the thought, but then I shushed it out because I'm like, I, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think this. And that thought was, like, I can do this. And, and, the, and because what he does is he doesn't draw anything correct. Nothing's correct. The guns aren't correct. The environments aren't correct. The faces aren't correct. All the people have the same faces, the same squinty eyes. You can't draw feet, you know. But no. But then through uh, doing this project, the rub the blood, I realized no, not everybody can do that because he his style and how he can how he does that, how he applies the inks. It's very particular to him. I mean, people have tried your Dan Fragas, your et cetera, all the people that lionize him. And, uh, you know, wanted to be him and draw like him, you know, Stephen Platt, et cetera. I mean, he, he distilled it and got it just right, um, or got it just wrong. Because it is fucking wrong. Rob Liefeld is a wrong artist, but it's still kind of awesome, too. It's, and that's yeah. the, you know, what I kind of deal with with my ideas. I'm like, well, this is wrong. This is not funny. This is insulting. This is gross. This is wrong, but. Well, it is kind of funny. Just like if you listen to basically any, you know, if you any dark comedy or any thought-provoking comedian or something that 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 dabbles with what is wrong with our society and humanity and how people deal with other people, and uh, and then you look into their lives and you realize, oh, they they were kind of shitty too, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's all that important to get it right, uh, as as long as you you manage to connect with the uh, the uh, audience, and that's exactly what Liefeld did. Um, it's the same thing with Bayer. Uh, Josh will throw it down. He'll do a shorthand of a, of a body part where really quickly, and it's it may not have the, you know, all the finesse in the world, but you know exactly what it is, and that's all that you need to know, right? Exactly. And, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of like Alex Toth. Alex Toth just kind of, well, who was a, a fantastic draftsman, by the way, but... It, most of his stuff is just shorthand. The shadows held the made the form and the the, the line, what little the thickness of the line, what little there was, held the the the, the light side, and, and you knew exactly what you were looking at. But uh, in Liefeld's case, I found a lot of the dudes back in the day that were making fun of his art have done a a one eighty today. Like like I keep you know we we're, we're a pretty tight community, and and the uh, the guys back then that were just like shitting all over him, kind of like yeah you know he's not so bad, because his stuff is as unique as a thumbprint. You see it, you know who did it. Mm-hmm. That that that's incredibly hard to do as an artist. Like your your stuff, it's unmistakable that that's Victor Cairo who did that, right? So you've got you have that same thing. You and and the what impresses me the most is like talking to you. Your personality is, your art is dripping with who you are. 
you you really can't separate the two. You you know you you know your art. I'm just wondering, you know, I, I, I you know, I want to. If anything, it's it's, it's my. I'm, I'm stupid because I haven't made business cards. So maybe that's my business card, you know. My business card would have my name on it and my phone number and my email address. But I guess this is that's my calling card. Is so if you want to contact, you'll figure you'll find means and talk to the right people or the wrong people or whatever the people, and you will come mm-hmm. in contact with me if you need my services. And and I've I've had decent enough luck with that. Um, it, it's fuck. I lost my thought. But you want to know why? Because I'm drinking. I I drank alcohol because nice. just, my nerves were, were were jumping up. Like you know what? What yeah. specifically are you drinking? It is uh, 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 Major Peters Bloody Mary mix with vodka and beer. Wow, nice. I'm not drinking anything. I was kind of nervous myself because uh, someone who hasn't talked to you uh, talked to you before. You look at the artwork and you think, "Good God, there's a madman behind this." But yeah, you're chaotic, but you're chaotic good in in D and D terms. You, you you have a lot going on upstairs, but man, you have a lot of heart too, and uh, it it's all in the work. It's all there. Um, so and back to the work. When you when you approach that blank page, you're sitting down at your drawing table, wherever the hell you do it, kitchen table, wherever, and and that 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 pencil hits that page for the first time. What's going through your head? Uh, what's going through my head is the I I'm seeing the image. And I'm, you know, I'm seeing the image. I'm trying to project the image onto, you know, I'm doing, you know, kind of doing my wire map. And so that's the, I'm projecting that onto the page. And then I try as closely as I can to replicate the image I have in my mind. But if, if you know, what mostly, but in the reality is that there's the time constraints. So I'm like, well, do I need to do that? Or, again, like, you know, I have to ultimately, when you have to work and you got stuff to do, Aside from doing the passion or the whatever you're, et cetera, you kind of have to you got to work with what you have, but your time constraints uh, work with less. And so I, I try to get the essence as much as I can, and that doesn't always work. Sometimes I, I fucking I bully myself, and I'm and I'm and I'm just doing it too hard. But the what's going through my head is just to get it on there, and also to hopefully that my uh, my addictive personality and the things that I want to do that are destructive have been, those things have been stated just enough through the uh, the preceding rituals to get to the state where I am ready to sit down and do it. So, and then I, I, I you know, I do it as long as I can, then take a little break, then do it some more, take a break, and, uh, and you know, then if I get other ideas and I'm, I'm writing those down in the margins or I'm writing them on my desk, you know, getting those things down. I'm I'm just thinking of of you know trying to realize what the idea is as much as possible. That's the mm-hmm. you know I want to I want to get it down. I want to get it out of my. It's not that I need to get out of my head because it's you know it's torturing me or whatever. It, it only tortures me if I don't do it. And right. so I guess I am being tortured because I have a gazillion plus gazillion times gazillion things. I've got, I mean I got I got stacks of these notebooks where I. I, I thought, like, well, I'll, I'll get to this when I have the time, and you never have the fucking time to do it. So I would love to get an intern. So I'm just going to call out. If anyone wants to take some of my undone scripts and take my thumbnails onto yourself and then follow them as close as you can but then add stuff in there and then ruin it, then please contact me and destroy one of my ideas so I don't have to think about it anymore. 
<laughs> I really, I mean, I have, I have fucking crates of, of notebooks of these comics, and I just, I, I came across this, this script that I did when I was 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, and it's not good. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's not good. It's terrible. It's not a nice person's strip. It's not, it's not, uh, it's a young man's, it's a young, it's an angry young man's, uh, frustrated young man's fucking idea of a power fantasy, action, comedy, ugly thing. And that's what it is. But, reading it, I had, I did, I got like three or four pages into it, they're oversized pages, I painted them in acrylic, and I laughed my ass off because, you know, I, I, I think it is important for a person to not, you know, I guess you should take yourself seriously when you're in the right and when you're doing the right thing. But in that instance where I was making fucking disgusting, exploitative trash, I'm laughing at myself, and I know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I do want to complete that. I want to, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to complete this year, so that's one of them. Yeah, I think you put uh, pictures of those up on the Facebook one day, didn't you? You said you stumbled upon some big boards that you found, and, and here they are. Is I that, did. Uh, it was a life event. You know, it was like, holy shit, I'm laughing because, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the douchebag that thinks I'm, my stuff is funny. You know, I, 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 uh, I, you know, I see what it is. And, oh, you know, I'm, here's the, the, the clown found, a, found his uh, clown nose from well, 1950,000. No, <laughs> knowing you, these, these, uh, discarded scripts and, and notes and stuff, they're probably all handwritten. You probably have little doodles accompanying uh, certain certain parts of it. Why don't you use that stuff as, like, back matter in, in your future projects? If you have, you know, you have some pages left off in the, in the back, throw some of that stuff in there, and then you, you can excise it. You can, get, you can free yourself of it. I think that's kind of, that's kind of the, the mode that's, that's going to be happening soon. I've, I've been collaborating with a cartoonist. His name is, he, he goes by, the calling of Matthew Crabe, Heaven's Favorite Man. Yes. Dude, he's awesome. He's, uh, his stuff, different than mine. And, for that, and not just for that, like, the guy, he's got, he has the, the spirited hand of a Josh Bear or a Pat Alicio or an Austin mm. Bush, like someone that just really attacks the page and goes into it, whether they want to use the, the verbiage uh, attack, you know, I use that because it's like you're, you're going in. You just, you hit it, and then you're doing it, and then you do it, and it's done. But this guy, he's a guy that can wake up and then start drawing. You know, he doesn't, he's not hindered by, by ritual or anything. And, uh, we did a, we did a collaborative book where he edited some of these drawings. I sent him a, a slew of black and whites, and they compiled it into a book, and that is S period M period P period P period B period. It's an acronym. And, and who's publishing that? Matthew Craig. When's that coming out? Oh, it's already out. It's actually available on his web store. And that stands for Suck My Pee Pee Bitch. <laughs> Where you got to give them the uh, the link to, to go get that. So uh, I'll attach that to this episode so everybody can go buy one. Seven, seven bucks you get, if I, think, I believe it's 20 pages, black and white. You know, it, it ranges from things that I did from uh, 2003 up to 2014, a couple here and there. And they range from, uh, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote or asterisk quality. Cause some of it's a little mm-hmm. bit rougher. Some of it is just getting the idea out. And some of it was when I was meticulous with the repeatograph. And, and, uh, I mean, you know, I used to pencil every crosshatch. You know what I mean? Just like meticulous. Like a, like I was going technical. And I, 
I thought, I can't be beat, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, but I would sit there at the drafting table for 15 hours straight working on one fucking image. And it's like that, you know, I don't, the re, you know, the reality of becoming a semi-adult person with responsibilities and not just thinking about yourself, you can't always fucking spend 15, 20 hours on uh, one six by six. You know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not good for anybody, including the artists involved. Um, but it includes stuff like that, stuff like overdrawn technical pen stuff like that and some looser things and uh you know gag stuff and has some words has some handwritten things on there uh has just a little bit of everything seven bucks i you know and also for added collectability there's only a hundred of them made and oh. i folded them each myself with a bone knife <laughs> well i'm gonna head on over there as soon as we're done and get one for me and i think i'll take you up on that that uh grabbing some of your old ideas I'd love to illustrate some of your stuff. Well, let me go through my catalog of all my uh, my, my musty stacks of notes. They're not so musty; they don't have black mildew or black mold on them. But that's all right. If you if you if you care to take on a challenge, and you know, I challenge anyone, I challenge well, almost anyone because I kind of have to see what you're doing. You know, I know your your skill set and your level to know that you can even kind of attempt to you know do an outline, but. I, I believe I believe that you can. I've seen your work, and you're very skilled. And I know that no. you know what you're doing. So, yes, I you know what? I will send you something. Nice. Now, um, you, we were talking about getting it all out and making sure you get it on the page. And um, isn't it? I mean, most of our lives as artists is trying to approximate those beautiful, gorgeous, perfect, pristine images we conceive in our minds. Trying to approximate those on paper and it almost never, ever works. But how awesome is it that that 1% or 2% of the time when you produce something that's even better than the way you visualized it? Yeah, man, I, I, I don't know if I've, if I've had that yet. I, my, my issues is I've always, uh, talking to, man, I, I've been one of my mentors growing up, and through the years he's been a friend, uh, and sort of kind of, he has a different approach to, Illustration and art, comics, etc. As uh, Danny Hellman, who did the legal action books, you know, in his own yep. defense, and uh, you know, he was just telling me, like, you know, Vic, just uh, try to draw as realistic as possible. And I don't know if he's really into psychedelic stuff, whatever. But I mean, he's a he's totally a, a, an ace killer at what he does, and his line quality, his consistency, mm -hmm. etc. You know what you're going to get when you get with him. Okay? So I mean, there's a you know, there's a different calling for him. And, uh, but I mean, he's had an appreciation of what I've done and kind of helped, uh, helped, uh, foster, uh, you know, my, my fire to apply it in, in ways that were constructive. Um, was, I don't know where I was going with this, but what, fuck, what was the initial question? Uh, what was the question? Uh, when, uh, the, the oh, final product. Better than a dream? Better than a dream? Yeah, better, better than you pictured it, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, then that's, that's the, uh, surprise, that's the jack-in-the-box, and you, you know, you, you think the clown's gonna come out, but then, you know, the, the kaleidoscope comes out, and, uh, yeah. you go, oh, okay, alright. Uh, I think it helps if you, if, again, if, if you apply that, the raw energy to it, uh, like we were talking about with some of these different artists that, that, uh, allow themselves to be free, where they aren't trying, where they aren't trying to get that perfect line, hopefully, you just it just kind of falls upon you because you're in the, you're lost in the moment and you have that mission and you're not overly thinking about it you don't got your uh, calipers out you don't got your uh, your rulers out or 
you know, you're you're not you're not necessarily going to be perfect, but you will find the this you know this very deep satisfaction and uh, something that you made just by you know the force of your nature of putting you know applying your fucking just doing it you know putting your love into the page or your hate or whatever the emotion is right yep I'm a big believer in uh, surrendering yourself to the work like I don't plan anything out. To the to the hilt, I'll I'll let a lot of stuff fall by the wayside, so it just works itself out later. Like I I love chance. I like a lot, a very high percentage of chance in my work, uh, just because you never know. I I like the for the the, the silly stupid universe to just push me where it wants me to go. Uh, is there any of that in your work? Do you, do you like to be you know knocked around by whatever it is that 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 made this whole mess? Hell yeah, man! I, that's uh. I think that's what really took me over the edge with the bittersweet romances because I, and a few other things that I was doing alongside that work, some different gig posters I was doing, and, and then the people I was doing gig posters with or for, they're like, dude, this stuff is just too, it's like, it's not readable. We can't read the poster. It's because I was, I was just kind of going with it and, uh, I wasn't so stringent to, uh, the penciled ideas, you know, and just, just kind of feeling the flow and then finding it and riding it like a like a wave, and uh, you know again there's I mean there's there's a beauty to being a person that can draw like Chris Ware and it's fucking it's perfect. That's not I don't know I, I kind of like somewhere in between where it has that uh, humanity or that extraterrestrial quality you know so it's got the it's grounded in the reality that we know so you can you can you can understand it. But then there's going to be some stuff, hopefully, that people don't understand or don't get right away. Or you're not giving, you know, you're not showing all your cards. But you're not even, the the effort isn't even to obscure the cards. You're just naturally on the flow of making something that you think is good. And your subconscious mind and your conscious mind, they basically blur into one and then you're on the page. That's where I want to get. And mm-hmm. I felt and sometimes during the process of what I was doing, I feel like I got there. Uh, you see, like even talking about that, you, you kind of sound like a like an ass or a chode, like eh, I'm trippy, you know. I'm thinking I'm I'm doing something special and whatever. I, initially, when I wrote this fucking thing, I thought this isn't anything special. It's funny. It's whatever it is, and it has some of these issues, but it's not special. But I think I think I can still look. I can stand outside of it and say this is a little bit more special than you know, than this, you know, than something else that I've done or a little bit more special than, I don't know, what can I compare it to that's safe? That I can say that everyone can get behind me when I say that it's better than this. Batman. <laughs> it's better It's better than Batman. Yeah. But I, I don't think genius recognizes itself. I, I think you're, number one, I think you're incredibly hard on yourself because you, you have a, 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 you bring something to the, to the art form that no one else brings. I can safely say that. I mean, I, I'm, I've been on this earth 50 years. I'm looking around. I know a lot of artists. I know a lot of approaches. Nobody has the approach that you have. Nobody has the, the visual um, thumbprint that, that you have. You're incredibly unique. And, and man, I, I, I think you need to try and step out of that body and see yourself as the genius you are because your stuff is just balls out incredible. Uh, I am going to step out for one. Uh, can you give me about five seconds of silence? Just so I, I have to pray really quick. 
I'm, I am, I'm very religious. One second. I just have to pray here. Praying. Still praying. Now I gotta go down the stairs, pray. Boom, 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 boom. But I think that, uh, being hard on myself has been an aid because I, it's allowed me to recognize the genius in others or, you know, their, their special abilities. You know, people that are mechanics, people that are social workers, people that are this and people that are that. I mean, shit that I can't do. I fucking, I love those people, you know. Just as much mm-hmm. as I love Mobius or, you know, any other great visual artist, sculptor, etc. So, I, I definitely, I like to do, I like to go into outer space, but, I, you know, when I come down, I understand. I need to come down, you know. I need to re- recognize that I'm uh, trapped in this fucking thing until death. But but then I go to sleep, and then I'm in everywhere. So okay. you, you, you mentioned before that you're a lucid dreamer. Every night. Seriously. Every night. Ah, man, I am so jealous. When uh, when I go to sleep, it's like a light switch. I turn off, and when I wake up, I turn on. I don't remember a damn thing. I went as a, I think this, and this is going to sound a little bit silly, but but I believe that this movie, I'm not sure, you're familiar with the Freddy Krueger films, with the guy with the blades? Yes, the, yeah, yeah. So it's the, the devil and the wolverine all mixed together, so it's everything everyone loves. And with everything that you're to be afraid of, okay. and he's and he's macho as hell, and he's basically indestructible and regenerates himself, and any fucking so he's you know he's the ultimate Wolverine, and he's funny, he's darkly funny, and he's gross, and you should hate him. He killed your sister, he killed your girlfriend, he raped her with the giant fucking serrated blade dildo, you know, and and did it in front of your whole family in your dream. And uh, but he also actually did it and then sent her to hell. And then he has his, his you know, has her soul in his belly. And then you hopefully at the very end of the film you cut a hole in him or destroy him temporarily and release the soul. So that's the best you can hope for. Um, but there's a one of these Nightmare on Elm Street movies where somebody had this realization or had read some book. So I, I think I, I only watched it once and it was like in 19 early 1990s or late 80s, where I think it might be the Dream Warriors movie. And people have been talking about this movie. People have are posting the photographs of their collector's T-shirt of the fucking uh, Freddy Krueger Dream Warriors. And I'm pretty sure this is, and I, I don't know for a fact, but I think that this is the one where they they attempt to fight back with their, with their lucid dream capabilities to fight because it's their dream to own their dream and to not succumb to the fear of these things these entities that you encounter in these these lucid dreams and I, you know as soon as I go to sleep I I am aware that I'm sleeping I'm aware that I'm I go into it like it's a trip pretty much every fucking night and to a point where it's like I don't even want to because it's too it wears too much on me it wears a lot on me and then I get this, uh, discouraged as an artist because I'm like, I can't, I can't do any better than the fucking shit that I'm, than these worlds that I'm sucked into. And, uh, you know, I can't write better than these insane encounters I have as a, as a participant or an observer or as a participant and an observer and someone that's alive and dead 
and as the bad guy and the good guy and the observer, and then you like you're all these different fucking things, and then you wake up and say, uh, "What the fuck is going on?" And it's you know, and that's not what that's you know, and it's kind of always been that way for like twenty some years, and that's not drugs. That's just that was just the dreams. Hmm, I want you to hear something. What was that? I have a, a stuffed Freddy Krueger doll on my desk. How friggin' weird is that? That makes you feel good. The, uh, all that stuff that, that you experience every night, that ultimately that informs your work, whether you, you, you realize it or not. That, the, all that stuff seeps in there. How could it not, right? Man, I, you know, I, uh, yeah. I'll just tell you so it's a quick one. And this is this is like, and this is going to sound silly. It's going to sound stupid, and I can be dismissed afterwards. I just, you know, ego destruction project. My friend, uh, my friend Snowface, uh, Snowface Digitalis, or Fuckface Digitalis. I put him in a lot of my different comic stories as my side character. But really, he is also sort of a, kind of informed or helped me in, inform myself with my, you know, deal with my own perception and how I've, I've dealt with things over the years. Uh, and just, you know, I would, you know, speak candidly with him about uh, my dream experiences or life experiences, whatever, and, and him, uh, vice versa. Um, uh, what the fuck was my point? Oh, wait. So we're talking about the dreams. We're talking about the... The, the dreams seeping into your work, yeah. The dreams seeping into my work. So, yes, I, this is this a two-second dream I had, and I think I was like 14. But this was, you know, so I think after I was exposed to um, your heavy metals, I mean, the magazine as a young man, uh, as a really young man, I got exposed to, you know, your Playboys and all that shit, you know, and, and hardcore pornography, you know. My friends, I mean, and this is like a likely fucking story for a lot of young kids. You're walking in the woods, you find a fucking porno or you find a fucking hustler, and it's there in the woods. And then yep. your, little, your little friends that are like, you know, 13 or 11, they bring it back to headquarters, and no one even knows how to masturbate. You just look at it, you know. You get boners together. Um, but uh, this... This dream I think I had when I was either, I think I was 13. And, and I think it may have been after I'd been exposed to Simon Bisley and Lobo and the world of Keith Giffen and, and Grendel. And Grendel was a big one, too. There was some David Keown, I think, or David, or no, not even him, but a Grendel artist who is now sort of doing indie stuff or whatever you, you know, you put the quote on there, the uh, alternative comics, you know, not your traditional uh, cape and uh, mask comics. Uh, but he did Grendel back in the 90s. It influenced the fuck out of me. But so a dream that I had after being exposed to that sort of stuff. Uh, I was in my gymnasium, my grade school. I'm like, you know, 13 or 14, whatever. So I'm kind of going back just a couple of years. And there's a there's an arrangement of different students, maybe at some kind of conference or not a conference, but, a, you know, where the kids come. It's an assembly. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. and, or maybe it was gym class. Something like that, as I'm just trying to think. And then there was these two uh, giant monster men that looked like a weird amalgam of your healthier demon and Lobo or so, you know, characters like that that were just like wretched, uh, pugilistic figures rolling around. And I just remember this guy. Uh, so one of them overtakes the other one in the middle of the gymnasium, and I'm in the I'm on the bleachers sitting with other students and. This uh, one of them starts like hacking the guy's head off, hacks his head off, but then I simultaneously I believe is dismembering himself, and and then 
And then I'm like, what the fuck am I seeing? And so then it makes eye contact with me. This uh, entity comes towards me, and then I'm overtaken, and then he's driving nails into my head, into my body, into a board, and then I leave my body to look at that happening, and then uh, then I... I, you know, I come out of my, basically the portholes that were made by the perforations of the nails and the blood is led and I'm, uh, I'm rising to the ceiling of the gymnasium, uh, amidst other dismembered or, or disembodied entities. And so I was just like, what, why am I having, you know, I, I don't need to see that, you know, like, why am I seeing this? And a lot of times I was also just strange, dark, nameless, faceless entities would, grab me and then pull me as I'm in a lucid dream. So it's very terrifying when you have zero control of what you're doing in a lucid dream. You know, people associate the lucid dream with, you know, I can if I want to eat a carrot and I want to make it into a blowgun, I can do that. You don't always get the fucking ability to do everything you want to do in a lucid dream. You're going to have some adventures and you may just be swallowed up and then dragged into a hole at 200 miles per hour. And and wind up someplace you you would never wish upon your worst enemy. Right. Still, I would pay good money just to be able to dream like that. Good money, because I think it's even worse to go into limbo for however many hours and then just come back to this mess. You know, at at least there's a sense of adventure, a sense of experience there with your stuff. Whereas with mine, it's just I go into a vault and boom, when the when the alarm clock rings, I come out of it. That sucks, dude. Did you say that did you say that you were almost fifty years old? Fifty, almost fifty, yeah. No, for real, yeah. Because that was a video I watched of you doing the ALS challenge, and you look you look like you're in better shape. With, you look like you're ten years younger than me. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I I, I don't. It's all a product of just you know thinking thinking an age. I don't think fifty, so therefore I am not. I guess, but yeah, next year I'll be fifty. No, I mean, I, I, it gives me it gives me hope because then I want to get uh, I want to get ripped and define my, you know, my musculature that way, and you know, just fucking uh, just try something different because I think as a young man, kind of feeling like I didn't have any power, and then I then I thought I was going to have power uh, from watching the Dream Warriors to find out like when I come face when I come face to face with these uh, dream entities, uh, you know, I because I don't fucking know. I, I kind of tackled this issue. I don't want to say tackle, but I, I played with the issue in this thing I did for a Danny Hellman book called uh, Nocturnal Omissions, where mm-hmm. it was, it was uh, the, the animalistic fucking reptilian brain that is lustful and gross and is also very selfish and then logical and thinks, well, if it's a dream, you know, scientifically or technically, like there, this, uh, what you do in your dream, what stays in Vegas stays in your dream or whatever the fuck you want to say, you know? So then you then you allow yourself to do things that aren't right, you know? You can right. you, know, you can give the cartel a run for their money when it comes to the snuff porn. And uh but then after you just you know, after you kind of figure that like allowing yourself to uh, experience any of these things is uh A it's ugly. I mean if you have feelings for people when you're not dreaming, but it's just it's ugly and it's not a I don't know. But there's a there's going to be someone that's going to, or maybe somebody that argues, say, like, you know, you're just a pussy. Yeah, I'm a pussy. Whatever, you know. I should uh, I should just love it. You know, drench myself in gore, goat blood, uh, pentagrams everywhere, heavy metal, yeah, the devil, or whatever, you know, rape, kill, et cetera. I don't, you know. But most people, even even those fucking people, 
they, you know, they, they love people. You know, they have people in their lives, but, uh, you know, they keep it separate. But, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, man? I don't know what I'm saying. I, I know exactly what you're saying. So what what's up for uh, you? Um, what's on the horizon? What do you got planned? What are you going to have to publish soon? Uh, what I have in mind is I'm doing... I inspired... Actually, it was inspired a few months ago. I went to San Francisco. spent some time with some good friends. And at the end of the, the last night of my of our stay there, uh, we went to this little uh, apartment party and uh, this cartoonist, Matthew Delight, Name dropping them because that's what I'm going to do. I told you I was going to do it. I'm going to fucking that's blow cool. people up. So I'm at his place at the. Uh, it's uh, so anyway. He's got boxes of comics for sale. Boxes of and he's he's selling for ten cents a comic. I mean he's got these quality comics, but one of the comics had to deal directly with what we're saying. But you know you're 50. You have a better mind than I do. Uh, so I don't he know had, about that. He had a comic that was fuck. Was gonna, how was I going to make a connection? I'm lost now. And this is it's the okay. humiliating part of the interview where, I, uh, you know, they lose the interest and they say, dismiss this motherfucker to the end of days. All right, break it down. Who published it? Do you remember who published it? Oh, the comic you're talking about? Who published the fucking comic? Uh, oh, duh, duh. I'm sorry. Because it's so ubiquitous, it fucking it flew out of my head. Frank Miller. He had all these Sin Cities. It was like, and it was like the later Sin Cities where he got really loose mm-hmm. and really not norm shit. Um, I'm just gonna, in like two seconds, I'm gonna have to go to get a uh, phone charger. But, um, oh, are you still, you're still there, right? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, so, so I bought these Frank Miller comics and I kind of re-fell in love with his approach to layout and, uh, and just, again, it's like, I feel like he really, just at, at that point, he's just like, I'm just going to draw it. I'm going to draw it, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And I, that's, I, I fell in love with it. I'm like, wow, very strong. And this is kind of after I fell out of in love with him, with him because I felt like he was maybe taking too many shortcuts or, you know, just 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 pumping it out. But uh, trying to make stuff myself, I learned that you know I also have to economize my efforts, my energy, and my line. I don't want to do it to a point where it uh, uh, detriments my, my art, but I still have to utilize fucking some brain, you know, some some triage, you know, attend to what needs to be tended to and then fucking do just enough work and then move on. So I wanted to do a tribute to Frank Miller, but it's also my return to autobiodegradable comics, uh, The Adventures of Victor Cairo, playing saxophone oh. in the rain. <laughs> Oh, please get this done. <laughs> I already, I'm there. I, I already got the cover, man. I already got the the, the cover. It's a, you know, and I, I'll say it again because this is the next my next book, and it sounds stupid, but I'm okay with that. The Adventures of Victor Cairo, colon, playing saxophone in the rain. <laughs> you'll you'll kill it. You'll knock it out of the park. Well, I get you. Know, I got to thank you for being here with us. Do me a favor. You got to send me all these links to all your stuff so people can. Can, can get in on this and uh, I'll attach them to the show notes for this episode because your work is important and it's amazing and it's visceral and it's like an open wound on the page and these people got to they got to experience it they I, no matter how much we talk about it or how much praise I can throw your way or how much you talk about your process they're never going to get the full gist of it until they see it and once they see it they're going to be like holy shit I know it 
So get get me those links, and um, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a it was a fun talk, and I hope I didn't uh, spin out of control too much. I know I did a couple times, but um, no, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Do, yeah. it, do it again um, when I, when I get something coming out. You know, and I get the the next book. If you wish, you know, I'll say I'm oh, open. Cool beans, brother. Hey, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that. I don't see how you couldn't. <laughs> he is a character. A extreme character. I love him. So let's get back to the comic book talk. Who wants to go? Uh, I picked up a book called Genius. Uh, it's from Top Cow. It's by uh, Mark Bernardin and Adam Freeman and art by Afua Richardson. Um, it's pretty controversial storyline. It's, it's pretty much this young girl was born with she kind of has the strategic mind of like Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Hannibal, Genghis Khan. Um, and her idea is she's, she's in South Central. Um, she dealt with a lot of, you know, crooked cops killed her parents. So she kind of had the idea that she wanted to bring together her entire neighborhood. This, this few, these, these set blocks. Um, and she, navigated everything around it like they were trying to find out why crime went down for a certain amount of time and there were rumors of this person that was uh uniting gangs but they couldn't figure out who it was and what she did was she put she got all the gangs together uh and they kind of formed an army an occupying force and they pushed out all the police and um and she's fighting on two fronts now they're fighting against the cops trying to get in because you know they have the guns and all that kind of stuff and and the territory and they're also and she's also fighting uh perception where she's uh some of the police that were killed they were actually some of them were crooked and she had evidence about that and she put that up um she found a way to get that on on tv so it's kind of you have the mayor and the and the uh the other police officers and, and the cap, the police captain trying to like, uh, figure out who this person is, uh, trying to stop her. But at the same time, you have the people in the community, uh, kind of, uh, rooting for her and, and, and everyone. And at the same time, she's still trying to keep these gangs together because you have infighting also because, uh, you know, when people were getting killed, they didn't expect it to be as, as, as hard of a fight as it is, and you know eventually they're not gonna win. There's no way they're gonna they're gonna win this. But um it just keeps escalating. It's it's five issues. I'm only three issues in, but it's a five issue uh mini and it got I think it got picked up for uh, um an ongoing now or another mini. Um but I I really love this book. Um I think just think it was smart. It was uh it makes you think about like you, you think gangs and you say, well, I'm not going to root for the gangs. I mean, you know what they do. Um, but there's more to it than that. And you look at destiny and, um, you know, how she's trying to bring all these people together and, and how she's kind of root out, uh, certain issues that are coming up as we go. And, uh, it's just a, it's just a good story. I'm just enjoying it a lot right now. And the art by she, a few are Richardson. She's really new. Um, I think she's supposed to be doing a, a digital, uh, one of the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, uh, digital, uh, issues that are, uh, uh, digital first, I think, issues. She's supposed to be doing that. She, originally she was supposed to do a Warren Ellis, uh, 
story a while back. That was supposed to be her first comic. It was a Warren Ellis story, but it just kind of didn't, it didn't happen. But, uh, it's, 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 I think people should pick it up. Give it a chance. Uh, I think you might, might like it. Hmm. What, was that a pilot season book? It was. And they liked uh, it so much that they pretty much said, we're going to do it anyway. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, I like pilot season in, in theory. Yeah. In theory. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. A lot of the stuff I read out of those pilot season books were, were really, really good. We need Cyberforce on a regular basis. We're getting that, aren't we? With the isn't um, didn't they do a Kickstarter for for Cyberforce? Uh, didn't it start already? The ongoing? Yeah, I think I think it's on like issue ten. But I mean that I don't know. It, it just didn't click with me. Yeah, I bought a, and that, I bought a few issues of it, and then I, like after three, I just kind of. Just forgot to keep buying it. Yeah, it's it's not the well, you know, I hate to sound like an old fart, but it's not the Cyberforce I remember. No, they it's, it doesn't feel like it. They took away them being a super team to now they're kind of like freedom fighters. It's not the same vibe that, that it was before. I know they wanted to make it different. They don't want to make it exactly like that, but they kind of took away that heroic uh, feel of the book that it had. Yeah. I think that they were actually giving it away initially weren't yeah, they? they and did. it wasn't mm-hmm. it just didn't didn't click with me oh well can't go home again no i got the first few issues of that cyber force series and couldn't stand it <laughs> don't hold back Mario. i don't man i i i it, it, it i mean it was free and it turned me off yeah that's that's rough when you're giving stuff away and people don't even oh. read it hey. david what no, go ahead you no you do because you you were gonna go gonna when say, you... i'll tell you what i did read that i liked what was that? I read a book that uh from Humanoid Press. <gasps> nice. Um not sure when this hardcover came out, but I know that it is a reissue of a of older material. Um it is drawn by uh, I'm sure his name is probably pronounced George, maybe. It's George Bess. And, um, written by, uh, the king, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Um, I'm talking about The White Llama. Love this book. Really? Yes. Yeah. This. I have the sing- single volumes. I don't have the collected right. when did edition. When did it originally come out? Oh, jeez. Um, this is pre-DCBS for me, because I was picking it up at the, the, the shop. I feel like it was coming out uh, in the 90s. I would have to say maybe 2004, 2005. Okay. I was looking at, yeah. at the, uh, like the copyright page and stuff like that, and there's no, it doesn't tell you like originally published or anything like that. Um, but this is amazing. I, I've been on a huge Jodorowsky kick again recently. Um, after watching Jodorowsky's Dune a few months back. And then I thought, you know, there's a lot of his comic work that I've not read. And, uh, Humanoids had issued this hardcover and, um, man, this book is just beautiful. Um, if you don't know the, what it's about, the White Llama, it's, um, it's a series that tells a story of a, uh, a Grand Lama Mipan, which is a Tibetan monk who, um, he forces himself to reincarnate because he's afraid that the knowledge that he's acquired, um, He's fearful of the knowledge he's acquired in his, in, for his pupils, but, um, he reincarnates in this white, um, Caucasian 
I guess that's the word I'll use, Caucasian uh, person as opposed to someone that is um, Tibetan. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he, his name's Gabriel, and he's like the son of these English missionaries who are there. And he's raised um, as a child of this other pair of villagers because the parents or his parents are his mom dies in childbirth, I think. That's what happens. In his, his, and then there's some ruffians that come in and kill a lot of people. And he's raised by um, uh, these these villagers, these Tibetan villagers. Um, and he trains with his former incarnations pupils and eventually like achieves his destiny in this classic structure of story arc but um um you know it's it's interesting it's i had the the one problem i had with it and is that it is a story about a white man saving not white people Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which you know it's it's which is, you know, it's, it's an idea that has been around for a long time. And it's just, I mean, he is like, you know, he's white. He's got like super white bleached out hair. Um, but, um, the storytelling is really good and the art is beautiful. Um, cosine. Yep. Um, if you, I mean, I mean, I mean, you can read, you can read some, you can read some racism into like not, not racism, but you can read some, you know, problematic race issues in it. Oh, yeah, when he comes back and he's not of the people, not everyone is entirely enamored with oh, him. Oh, no, I mean, he is, not, he is not accepted for, for a while. Right. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's just, I enjoyed it a lot. Yodorowsky, for me, in comics, can be, it can be hard to read, probably because, it's, I mean, it's a translation. First, first of all, it's a translation. Second of all, lots of times he's working on his, like, psycho magic stuff that he is so known for um <laughs> but i mean yeah. just I, I would highly recommend this book so this was originally like what separate separate little shorter stories right yeah i think it was um let me check the shelf um uh it was two four six volumes i okay, think but it's a beautiful like big hardcover now um how much was this no pricing I have no idea how much it was. I got it. I got it through uh, through DCBS. I think it was probably maybe it was like forty, and I got it for twenty something. Wow, um, you made up better than I did. I think each volume was like fifteen bucks back in the day. But yeah, it was it was it's it's great. I don't know. I mean, the thing about humanoids is that they tend to stuff doesn't stay in print all the time. Yeah. So um, I don't know if this is available. And lots of times you can't even buy their stuff on like Amazon and stuff like that. So if there's something that I want that's um, humanoids, I usually scoop it up when it's solicited because um, because you never know if it's going to be around again. Um, yeah, it's on mm, it's on Amazon, but it's by but it's not it's by sellers, different sellers. So it's not available for, from Amazon. Yodo's a, a real interesting character to me because he can't help but I mean, and I know. You write what you know, right? He he can't help but include autobiographical content in all of his books. I mean, uh, the, the, for as much as they're about what they're about, like White Llama has its thing and, and Meta Barons has its thing, there's a lot of Yodorowsky in those books. Like just the character of Yodorowsky, is, his stuff is like lousy with, with that, that personal 
with his identity. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy to me. I mean, you, he is, to me, I, I love Morrison, but I think Yodorowsky is the writer Morrison wants to be. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the, it's hard to stomach a lot of Jodorowsky too because he is so visceral and uh, mm-hmm. and like I said before, his psycho magic-y kind of stuff. But like, I don't know. He's he's very. I mean, he is an old. I don't know how is he now. Eighties. He's. I mean, he is an old white man. I mean, he for. I mean, I, I mean, I know he's what he's South American, um, but he, yeah. you know, like he's got a lot of very. While he has a lot of far out there ideas, he also has a lot of like messed up issues with things. Like uh, I think about, I mean, I think about that scene in Yodorowsky's Dune where he's talking about like I forget what he's talking about, but he eventually says, you know, you have to rape the woman, and then he and then he stops. He's like, with love, you rape. Yes, the woman. yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that, I mean that that just screams Yodorowsky to me, and it drives me crazy when I think about it because. I want to like the man, but at the same time, he has these messed up ideas that you're like, that's, that's not cool, bro. That's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, well, he, and that he comes does... up in his book and like, you know, I struggle with a lot of his books, but I always end up enjoying them. And I think it's because I struggle with them that I enjoy them. There's no line with, with Yodorowsky. He, if he is in pursuit of the art, there is no line he won't cross. Right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I, I can respect that. Most of me can respect that. To, but I, I, I can only wish that I was as uninhibited as, as he, when, when he's, when he's making his, his stuff. And, and he seems to be one of those people that, uh, we all know writers, we all know people that make comics, they do it, and, and for a lot of them, it's a job. With Yodorowsky, he creates because he has to. Uh, there, there seems to be this burning desire with the dude to just, make stuff to tell stories to 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 achieve that that art that he wants to to create and and i i respect the hell out of that yeah i i wish i had that yeah i do damn it daryl didn't say fuck it yet you are so different I'll, man I'll you, you are you've grown up a lot i love that have you read the the final ankle stuff or anything yeah, I have it. Uh, I've, I've, I can't say I've read it all. I, I, I made through. There is no quick reading with with Yodorovsky. Yeah, like, I'm, I, I've read of all of Metabarons. I have the the absolute, the, the big ass mm-hmm. Metabarons, and I have all the single issues and all all the Inkle uh, Inkal single issues. I've read them. I can't say I understand it all though. I, th- those are things that I have to read like multiple times. It, it, it's like there's these little creative latency things in, 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 like buried in them where, where they only come out on multiple readings, like little time bombs in, in his work that I discover. I, I don't see them the first time around and then boom, second reading. There it is. Meta Barons is rough, man. That's a big story. Yeah, I love that one. You gotta be in a mood though to read Jodorowsky. You, yeah. You can't sure. just pick it up and read it. You have to be in that kind well, of mood. E- even his movies too. It's, it, it, you know, Yodo's movies are not Hey, I just came home from work and I want to kick back and put on something, you know, put on some bubble gum. <laughs> El Topo is is not not that movie. I could, I could put on El Topo any day of the week. <laughs> I love that movie, Holy Mountain. I, I can't watch that every day. I have a question yeah. though. What's that? Can you name a writer now that could actually 
that actually writes like that. Because you know, in this climate, you can't kind of just put anything out there that you feel you want to do because there, there are people that are going to be upset. Yes, I can definitely name one one writer. Okay, Alan Moore. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah, the the dude just wrote a million word novel. He he basically shits in the face of everything. And, and I, I, I saw the one comment he said where, you know, uh, any, any editor worth his salt will say, well, you know, we gotta chop a third of this at least. And he's like, basically, F you. This will get published the way it was written. Uh, again, that, that's a guy who, who will go to any lengths to, you know, maybe no one will pick it up. That's a concern when you got a million word novel. Yeah. Who's going to want to publish that? But I think his name has a lot of, pre- well, a ton of prestige. So there may be many publishers that'll take a chance on that. But a million word novel, and it's and it's about where he grew up, and it's also, uh, I mean, there's many many things going on. With there has to be, it's a million damn words, right? Mm-hmm. But but I I think Moore is possessed. He he's possessed by the same demon as as Yodorowsky. Yeah. He just has to create. I mean, if it's so good, Alan Moore should just throw it up there on like the Amazon like self-published thing and see <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> or it could come out through his what's this electric comic thing he's doing that I haven't heard anything about for a long time. You could serialize a million-word novel in what ten years? Guy could be living on the, the 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 returns from this for the next ten years if he publishes it in slices. Strange dude. Yeah, love him though. I don't know if his don't, prose work is real well accepted. Though. I mean, is it, does it does it sell really well? I don't think so because um, I mean, you you could glean which books at top shelf sell and which ones don't. And Voice of the Fire is always like one of the cheapest things whenever they have the sales. Yeah, you know, you don't see From Hell getting sell, sold for three dollars. No. So I, I don't know how the, the prose stuff uh, sells, but I read Voice of the Fire. I mean. Again, did I understand it all? Nah, but I, I can't say it was a painful experience. I, I enjoyed it. Whatever. Whatever. I think we still have a lot more comics to talk about. David, what'd you read? I read a couple of image books. Um, I read uh, Trees three and four. Still, um, still enjoying that because I, I, I like Warren Ellis and and Howard's art is. Fit, fitting to, uh, to the story, but we're still, we're still getting a little bit of, um, some characters that are over here, storyline picking up from characters over there, uh, so there's not, so the threat is that there are trees in these locations, but it's not, um, I don't know what's going to get everybody together yet, which is fine, because it's not like we've had four issues, let's pick up the pace, or, you get the show on the road. It's still seeing who these characters are and and what they're about. Um, you should be happy, Vince, with the fourth issue because the uh, the the transgender gets a few pages of, uh, of story. Pants down or or no? No, uh, her uh, her pants are on for for the most part. What's a tranny with their pants on? It's not a tranny. It's a woman. Well, she was she was. Um, She's basically telling the, uh, the, the new arrival, uh, her story and, uh, he finally gets his story going, uh, as far as why he shows up where he is. Uh, we go back to the, the Arctic station in the fourth issue and 
it's, it's just an eclectic mix because you have you have the dudes in in Brazil and she's trying to um, steal from the old man or get revenge on it. Some of the stories are just a little. You're not really quite sure where where he's going with all of it, but it it's still just I'm, I'm along for the ride because it it is a different story and and these are some pretty interesting characters and it looks great like I said and uh, and 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 it's Ellis so he's got he's got the credit with me on, on that front. I also um, read before, a, before you before you move on. I just want to say a tranny with pants on is like Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> Okay. But you did. You but you did. You see don't it. see the cat in the box. You saw it in the first issue. You saw it in the first issue, bro. Well, I know, I know, but it's not like she said, "Hi, I'm a tranny," and you never see anything. You put a tranny in a book; they gotta have no pants on every scene they appear. Every scene. <laughs> but but Go they ahead. have put a shirt on. No. Yes. Pants. But a shirt on. Yeah. I just want to see. I want to see her have it dangle. That that that's great. There you go. <laughs> Shreves, I swear, Trees reads like uh, the leftovers. Uh, HBO show to me, which I, I didn't. I didn't even get into that. Uh, be- because it's not you're not getting anything about the answer. Like I don't. You can tell from watching it they're not getting the answer. What happened to these people? They're making it up as they go along. And, no, no, not that bad. Not bathroom <laughs> water. <laughs> not bathroom water would save the world. Um, but it's it's more about all these different uh, characters just trying to survive this crazy this terrible thing that happened or whatever just something major happened and you get all these different characters having their own different stories and that's kind of like how trees kind of is to me right now you're not getting the whole thing yet and it's not like he's even rushing to tell you a whole story yet and normally that would annoy the hell out of me if there wasn't if it was just three characters and they basically just talked and you there wasn't a lot going on that would frustrate me but because we are in different locations with a bunch of different people um i, I it's been four issues but it it's been it's been a pretty good clip i i don't really i get i don't read the next issue wondering well, what the hell did i what, what happened last month i i completely forgot it it's still there's enough to it for me where um or I'm still I'm still following along and 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 I'm I'm getting something out of it at least. Mm-hmm. Now is trees an ongoing or is it a finite thing? I want to say it's a finite thing. It's I hope so. Else, it's got to be a finite thing. Yeah. Yes, that, that's the thing. You could always tell when Ellis loses interest in something. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I hope his his level remains high for this entire because I liked what I read so far. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, the art. Oh, and he and, yeah, he and uh, Jason Howard is uh, working pretty quick on it, also. So they're they're not, and they, they didn't they didn't announce it until they had some issues in the can. So it's not like um, I think when the first issue came out, Ellis was writing the fourth or the fifth, and and Howard did finish inking and was about to pencil the the the, the third or fourth. So I mean they're. They're moving along at a at, at pretty nice speed and uh, not really taking breaks and, until I guess it's they they get everything they want to do out of it. Cool. Uh, also, read up to the twenty second issue of Saga. Yeah. Nice. And uh, and and 
the 22nd issue, I told Mara this, I, it went by quick. I don't know what it was, but it, I, I got to the end of the issue and, and I, I, I told him it, it felt, it was like a backup tale. I, was, I thought it was like eight issues long, eight pages long. I just, it, it ended. And I mean, it, it ended at a fine spot, but it just, I mean, from the first page to, to the last before you get to the letters page where, where Vaughn is going to talk about San Diego or whatever, it, it, it went by real quick. That, that 22nd issue, I think it changed, it changed scenes so much. Like it kept, it, you didn't stick with anything for real long. It kept going back and forth between, you know, it's, it, with, uh, with, it was kept going to Prince Robot and then back to them. And then, you know, over here's the, the daughter doing this thing. And I think the, the, the pace was awesome. How about, <laughs> how about, um, the, the, the dad, um, of the robots, the king. Oh, king robots. <laughs> That was that was absolutely amazing. I got to that page and I looked at it and I thought, "Where's his head? Like, is is his head inside his chest? Like, what? No, that's like a green thing." And then I realized that 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 wasn't a picture behind him. Uh, Yes, that was yeah. That was his head. He had a gigantic, the biggest widescreen TV head ever. Perfect reason. For a double page spread, right there. <laughs> I mean, it was just genius. It was, it was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, you, the, you get to the end where he shows up at the, uh, at the TV station. Um, no, there was, and, and there was something that, that Hazel said a few issues ago, um, is really starting to pick up some speed. Uh, the, 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 there were some words and, and, Actions where uh, kind of hard to take things back, but it it's it moved the story along, and and it's it's still a gorgeous looking book. Uh, the birth of the universe was cute. The uh, it, it's still you know there's still things I I can find the issue and and really enjoy. But like Mario said with the with the changing of the scenes, it it um, it's. And then they dropped that one bomb on on that one page after the show ended, and the guy takes the the VR helmet off, and something clicks because of of something that somebody says, and Hazel's like, "Oh yeah, you know, but we'll catch up to them at a later date." It was one of those old little Marvel editor notes type things, and it's just like, "Well, that was okay." So I mean, that, that's something that they can string along for a while once once we get back to it but it was it it was a it was a quick read because even though we were all over the place um everything happened quickly we didn't you know i think the longest amount of time i spent in any one area was when the robots were talking to each other yeah after that, you had a couple of pages of, of each scene and, uh, and not a lot. It wasn't a real wordy book. Um, the first couple of pages and the last page maybe, but not even, but it was, it, it wasn't a filler issue. It, it, uh, you know, things that have been happening for the past couple of months are, are still moving along and, uh, and, and 
things are going to get a little serious and basically the the stars of the series or at least who were the stars when the series started uh they're kind of taking a back seat yeah and here's here's of, the thing that's amazing to me like it really it's really a testament to Vaughn and and Staples abilities like when this book first started I did not I, every time the ro- the ro- Prince Robot or any of the robots would show up, I was really not that interested. I thought, oh, that's a cool design. It's kind of fun. It's not anything like crazy. But I mean, as this story as 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 it's progressed, and especially like these last couple issues, I'm more interested at this point in Prince Robot and his you know his whole family storyline than I am what's going on with the our our main characters. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it was the Battlefield Bukaki vision that got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that, that yeah. was the turning that's, point yeah, for you. Something. You're like, I, I love this guy. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I saw that and I was like, I want to be in an orgy. And then I, <laughs> then I, then, then, I read saw, about <laughs> then, then, then that all changed yesterday. Oh, poor bastard. So, David, uh, you've jogged my memory. Should we leave the little game for for next week, or or do you want to? Yes. Want to? Yeah, we because, should. Yeah, because I I don't. Uh, Jason's been looking forward to it, and, okay. and I don't think Jason's going to make it tonight. All right. Well, just uh, so y'all can play at home, here's the here's the the game for next week. N- name the single issue. I'm talking one, not arc, not storyline, but the not, we're not Marvel. Na- name the the single issue that best encapsulates the era and or decade in which it was published mm. for for example name the one silver age book that encapsulates the entire silver age for you i'm not saying you know you don't expect everybody else to swallow this medicine i'm you know a, as far as you are concerned i busted it up into silver right bronze yeah. now the bronze is weird because the, on the books bronze spans 1970 to 1985 which i think is nuts but you know, we'll go with it. Then I, I, I gave the 80s, they're a separate category, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. So, you have silver, bronze, bronze, 80s, 90s, aughts, and 10s. Name the one book from each of those periods that perfectly encapsulates the whole ball of wax. That's next week. Wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. That's fun. It, each category was amazingly easy for me, except for the 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 aughts. I really had to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the answer was blindingly apparent once I I, I looked at everything that was that was published in the aughts. There wasn't a whole lot of competition. This one book uh, just, you know, yeah, it speaks to the aughts. But anyway, aughts so this again. is for. Ots. So this is this is for next week. Motherfucking ots. Hey, there you go. Oh, look at the time. We got two hours already. Damn. For real. These are some oh. chatty mofos. I know, right? And uh, let's uh, do it in style. If you want to get any of the things we talked about here, the best, the absolute best place to do so is where? Discount comic, yes, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. Where else can you get your books? All of them. (laughs) 
say no more, get them cheap and get them delivered right to your damn door. All you got to do is fire up your computer. Look at me. I'm picking the books I want. I'm paying for them. They come right to your house. You don't have to do anything. It's minimal effort, and you get everything you want in the condition you want right to your door. They're amazing. DCBService.com. In your travels, I am... I consider myself extremely fortunate to not only know this man, but to be his friend. So, you know, no nepotism involved. I I love to praise what I consider to be good work. If there's one thing I like to ensure you guys walk away from when you're done listening to this thing is that, hey, Vince B has a lot of faults, but one of them is is not his ability to be honest. I like to think I'm an honest person, right? I got to tell you, I was knocked on my ass by Dave Wachter's art in Godzilla Cataclysm. Yes. Yeah. Completely floored. Now, I mean, it wasn't a surprise mm-hmm. knowing Dave's ability, but I think he's in a magic place right now. What with Guns of Shadow Valley and Breath of Bones and all, and his Dark Horse work and this Godzilla Cataclysm, it is amazing. It's amazing. It was written by the great Cullen Bunn, who's writing about 32 million books these days. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be impacting the work. They're all good. Yeah. Um, and Dave is basically a one man band on this title. He penciled, inked, he also did the color art. And get this, I touched base with him today because I, I had a feeling that he designed the the title graphics, and he did. He did the Godzilla Cataclysm masthead on the front of the, uh, the issue. Yes, he did. Oh, oh my God! Right. Um, in a nutshell, the, the the story takes place in a a post cataclysm, hence the title, where where all the kaiju just popped up on the scene. Started throwing down with each other. When they had enough of that, they turned their attention towards humanity, and basically the earth, the earth is a mess. Everything's in ruins. You have scattered groups of people just trying to stay alive. Um, little little communities in, in basically cardboard boxes and ruins. Oh, so it's a um, realistic modern day uh, account of the world. That's what it sounds like. Well, um, I would think that if a bunch of these giant monsters tried to throw or throw down with each other, this is what it would look like. Dave's visualization of this post-apocalyptic landscape is amazing. You, you, everything is just destroyed. There's rubble everywhere. Building, I don't think there's any intact building to be seen, right? And so certain members of, of these communities go out into the wilds just trying to scare up stuff to make life livable anything you know anything that that would ease their their the 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 uh day-to-day life just sustenance uh clothing anything to to make life bearable that they'll bring it back and on one of these trips this this party encounters uh Kamakuris, the, the, uh, I always known him as Kamakuris, but I guess his name now is Kamakuris. It's the mantis. Remember from the Godzilla movies, the, the, the giant mantis? Oh yeah. Um, well, I guess Kamakuris is now a, a creature type and not a, a singular creature because there are 
many of them. And they besiege this, this party and start to, uh, you know, take them apart, literally. Uh, and, and you notice the buildings around are, are wrapped in these, these, this plant-like thing where it's 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 undulating through the buildings and around the buildings there's just these plants everywhere and at the one it's the best page in the damn issue you see the the one mantis he's distracted by this blood-curdling roar and dave renders the roar in the background and it's all scratchy and 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 you you actually can can it's like an audio wave like you could see the air being moved by the the roar of this beast and the the thing the the mantis turns his head to see what's going on and gets ripped apart by biolante oh it's amazing and when dave gets to to biolante he i mean he renders the shit out of it it is awesome no it's really really good the the i almost pooped my pants early in the issue there's a double page spread of godzilla throwing down with king ghidra mothra's in it angelus manda it's amazing and there's 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 fighter jets coming in they're blowing the shit out of monsters with with freaking missiles do don't even think about it if you if you've never read a Godzilla comic before, if you have whatever the case, these are, this is just plain great comics. Get the to a comic shop and pick up Godzilla Cataclysm number one from IDW. It's awesome. Good God, Dave, what are you eating? I, I want details because th- th- this is just. I mean, I know Dave is good, but this is like so good. But, wow, I'm done. I. I, I <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, make, give him a big head, but it's, oh shit. I'm so happy. Sounds like it. Yeah, it, it does. It really does. Uh, I finally read the, um, the third issue to, uh, Star Trek Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever original teleplay. You beat me to it. Oh, for real? Yeah, that was my, uh, I was going to mention it. Um, well, you're the guest. I should let you take it. No, no, go ahead. I, well, only thing I, I wanted to say because he's having a print sale and I, I just wanted to mention that because some of that stuff, you can, you can get some of his truck stuff with the print sale if you go to his website, the JK Woodward, uh, art blogspot.com. Just throw it out there if you, you know, That's if you want to cool. buy anything. I do. I got to hit this. He, he's another talented bastard. He is. He is. And it's, it's so not, um, JK obviously isn't using the same school of thought that, uh, La Roca did with New Universal, mm-hmm. um, Orlando does. He, he, even if, if Kirk and Spock are having a conversation, you don't see the same faces from panel to panel. They're actually, oh, yeah. they're, they're moving when they're talking. And because this was LaRocca's problem at New Universal, you have Sawyer from Lost talking to you, but then he turns his head three quarters <laughs> and it looks like a different dude because he didn't have reference for, for that angle and, and, or Johnny Depp or Bruce Willis or whoever. But JK serious about this and it still looks like Kirk, no matter what angle he's talking to you from. And, I need to, and I said it before when I was talking about the first two issues, but I need to watch this episode, and and I will once I finish. It's so different because you have because 
Spock is angry. He is he is short and curt with Kirk, and I don't remember that in the original episode. Another thing in the original episode, and this is in the letters page at the end, McCoy was part of the away team right. in the episode. He's not in this story because, according to Harlan Ellison, he's a doctor. He belongs on the ship. He's not a soldier. He doesn't go down with the team. Yeah, <laughs> and I it, it's it's strange to see someone like Harlan Ellison write characters who you knew for three years, and they don't sound or act the way they do on any of the episodes as they kind of do in this in in this story. Well, early Trek, I remember, well, they try to explain it away when they're trying to figure out what they want to do with Trek on TV. But early Trek, Spock was more animated. Yes. And he would, and they try to play it off in the books. Like he was trying to, he was trying to get into his human side. Like he already, he was born on Vulcan. He practiced that. But now that he was amongst humans, he was trying to play with emotions, trying to show them. Even if he didn't understand them, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely apparent in 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 in, in Harlan's story. Uh, it's yeah, again, if if you are a fan of the original series, if you're a fan of Harlan Ellison, if uh, if you're a fan of really good art, uh, mm-hmm. this is it's 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 a great miniseries, and it's not a um, it's not like any other IDW miniseries where or, or Star Trek series where one may go into the next or little threads or, or things may play out. You get the whole story if you read more of it. You can this is this is it because the, the, this is the teleplay. This is this is from that issue and, and were the first issue, actually the first two issues were different enough from from the episode, but it 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 may have felt like it took a while to get where to get to the meat of of the story because I mean that, what people tend to remember about that episode is that they they went back in time and 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 uh, they meet Edith Keeler and and I remember the city that they were in more than I remember anything about Star Trek from that mm-hmm. episode and. um there was a lot more Star Trek in the first two issues, and now in the third issue, now that they're on Earth and um, they have to, you know, Kirk and Spock have to kind of blend in, and uh, they get work easily enough. And it's uh, by the end of this issue, we're moving. Is it four issues or five? I think it's five. I think. Uh, and and so now. Kirk and Edith have met and, and we're working on, um, putting everything in place so that they can fix it and, and go back to their time. And, uh, but the third issue definitely, if, if there was any slowness in issues one or two, the third issue kind of just moved everything along and, and, uh, and, and we're full speed ahead at this point. And, and now I, I need to see what else because I haven't read the teleplay and and I need to see what else is different and and as far it's as like four, 
there's like four different versions he had to keep changing. Really? Yeah. Does this story does the, does the comic book version have like the uh, the drug in it? Yes. The sound. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. The sound crystals. Yes. 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 Okay. And that was right. That was the other thing that um, that obviously they 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 changed from the. Um, from the episode, but that it wasn't having that. No, because I think. Oh, and then um, actually, I did. Ellison want one of the main characters, one of the seven, to actually be the dealer, or did they kind of? I no, they want. He wanted. He wanted it to be some officer on the ship. Like he did want that. Like that. That. That was. Uh, right, he didn't Beckwith. want it to just okay, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. wanted Bethwick to be the the drug dealer who's basically killing other other uh, races with his drugs. Yes, yeah. You know it it shouldn't surprise me at this point because I know and love David, but whenever he brings up Star Trek, it throws me to a loop. <laughs> it just if because I, in in my heart, David is the Grendel guy. He, that's his, th- David Grendel. You know, they go together. But whenever he brings up Star Trek, that love that flows, it just, it, it, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am every single damn time. Why is that? It my heart. He loves Star Trek. And you, you would think I would know by now, right? What's not to love? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like Star Trek. I wish I liked, I, I wish I liked it more than I do. Just so, just so I can cuddle up with David a little bit more, but uh, well, I got Campbell. Campbell's watching uh, DS9 for the first time. Oh, from the beginning, we were watching some of that. At, uh, that we awesome. came back from the con. Yeah, I need to actually. I need to finish. I'm, I'm up to uh, I think the third or fourth season in my rewatch. But oh, yeah, right. That's it so is good. so good. It is so good. Oh, amazing. I, I'm just I'm just gonna shut my mouth whenever Star Trek comes up because you just love it. I'm not just gonna say anything. I, well, aside from Voyager, yeah. Well, who likes Voyager? Is there anybody? I watch it. Yeah, watch somebody it. does. Because I have to. Seven and nine fans. People that right. like Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, that, I can't get into that either. But yeah. Uh, but Mario, what you yeah. got? Huh. Well. I'll just throw this out there because it is it's timely. Um uh today is the you know, that anniversary of that day when the world ended, as I like to call it. Um and in all seriousness, uh that at that time thirteen years ago, um that comic book series was being written and released that was blowing up the uh the comic book uh, world one way or another um and uh it's it's disputed as to if it's a good or not and i always do a reread every couple years and i think that if you haven't read it since and for 13 years since it first came out do yourself a favor and reread frank miller's the dark knight strikes again <laughs> dk2 because it's a damn masterpiece because that's it why it's a masterpiece <laughs> It's not a word read it. Use. Don't read it after you read yeah, um, DKR. Don't read it with DKR in mind. Um, pick it up and read it um, just as a, another comic book, and you will see. If you don't go in with expectations like <laughs> it's going to be Dark Knight Returns again, 
Um, I think you will enjoy it. I mean, Frank Miller was doing all kinds of crazy stuff in here. Um, I was reading it. I was, I mean, it's the first time I read it in a few years. Dark, I mean, Frank Miller invents Twitter in this. Um, the, the, you know, in, in the original one, he has like the media, in the, in the Dark Knight Returns, he has the media doing mm-hmm. uh, all their stuff on the TV screens. But in Dark Knight Strikes Again, there's all these tiny little sound clips that pop up in little squares from the news people saying like just tiny little bits of information. Yeah, pop up video. Yeah, I mean it's yep. it's 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 Twitter, you know, five six years before Twitter was invented. Um, and everything about the the book is intentionally jarring and intentionally unlike the series that came before. You right. know Lynn Varley's colors. She's she's a very tasteful color artist. That book burns your retinas. The the art the color art is intentionally bad. Yes. It is, it yes. is, it is a product of its time. It is a commentary on comic book industry and, and politics and he, again at the time. Right. I mean, it's, well, there was a coldness to, to Bruce from the first one to this one. Like he, oh, he's grown, he's grown so cold to society as a whole. It seems by then. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to note, like real world wise that I think the first issue came out and Frank Miller was halfway through or most part of the way through the second mm-hmm. issue when the September 11th attacks happened. Yeah. And he changed some stuff. Like, um, if you read that, that second and the third issue, the third, second and third issue with the idea in mind that he, that of uh, 9-11 had just happened. Um, and, th- and I mean, in the, in the third issue, like, they're going after the bad guy, no holds bar because of what they did to our city and what, you know what I mean? Like what they did right. to Metropolis. Mm-hmm. And I yep. mean, it's, 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 it reads just like, you know, all of his crazy stuff afterwards. But, um, I mean, it's, it's wacky. It, it's, and it, and I think it's a, I mean, at, at the same time, it's a, it's, if you can take it, if you can take the, the hit, it's a big F you. It's entirely an F you. Oh, yeah. Dark Knight Returns fans that, you know, wanted a sequel mm-hmm. or like, yep. you know, people that are like, you know, that just, you know, were like loved more and, you know, wanted the dark and gritty. And he, you know, he, why would he give you dark and gritty again? Because he already did dark and gritty and now he's going to give you flashy and, you know, instead of it just being a Batman story. I mean, it's a Justice League story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely insane from the get go. It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you don't even see Batman in the no. book. A whole mm-hmm. first issue, you see, like, you don't even, I don't, you don't even see, no, you don't even see him except for, like, the little profiles, like, that fill up the back of a page where it's, like, Batman's eye or stuff like that. But you don't even see him until the end when he shows up with those massive, cartoonishly huge kryptonite, you know, gloves. Yeah. Beats up Bruce, and he's just like, I'm done talking. Get out of my cave. <laughs> yeah, and he off my it, lawn. He just shits on everything he did in the first series. Like it's it's not even Robin anymore. It's 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 Catgirl. Cat yeah, uh, yeah, and and that I still think that one scene where she puts the atom in her mouth in, yeah. in her mouth that that shit is oh, hot. It's dirty. That is and then hot. She's like man. oh, I swallowed. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you just look at the precedent, like. I keep going back to Lynn Varley, and you look at her work prior to that, those amazing, the color art for uh, Miller's uh, Lone Wolf and Cub covers, 
and the stuff, just all the team-ups that Miller and Varley did. And then you look at this. It has to be intentional. There, there's no way a colorist of that kind of savvy can just forget everything they know and do everything wrong. Oh yeah, it's, it's on, on purpose. It's garish and it's yeah, it's it's the, the color art's amazingly bad, but it works as an fu. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the very last. <laughs> I mean, if 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 the fu is not clear throughout, you know, the, the second third third issue of the series. When you get to that, the very, very last panel in the in the entire comic, where they're leaving and uh, the 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 manor's been destroyed and everything's been destroyed, and him and Carrie are leaving, and she's all upset because everything's blowing up. Your history, your whole history is destroyed. He's like, it's nothing. It's just junk, mm-hmm. you know. And he's talking about you know comics. He's like, you know, there's a robot and a tyrannosaurus for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Souvenirs, darling, nothing but souvenirs. And he says, I was yep. sentimental back when I was old. Don't take anything seriously. Kill your idols. That's what it's that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reread reread it, everybody. David, reread that book for me and tell me that it's not awesome. Oh, I'm sorry, I just came back. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> see? See? <laughs> Alright. I you know what? I just want to say one more thing about cataclysm. Sorry. Just use this as an example. With IDW, they always have multiple covers, right? Mm-hmm. One of them was done by one of the go-to guys for Godzilla, Bob Eggleton. I went with the Wactor cover. Of course you did. For real. Seriously. You, I mean, as far as Godzilla, Eggleton is like the man. I went with the Wactor cover. What does that say? You find out. Go by the issue. How about that? Great, great. No, I'm just so happy. And I'm just happy in general. Well, thank you all for being here. Guys, you know what, Daryl, where, where can they hear more of your, your amazingly beautiful baritone voice? Uh, you can hear me on, uh, one of the podcasts is No Apologies, where, um, and, and Valiant Podcast, which I do with, uh, Campbell and, uh, Mike, Mike Myers. And, uh, but you can hear the, it's, it's a very raunchy show. It's full of orgy talk too. Um, it is. So no apologies. So you can hear me with Raph and and uh, um and Jason's been on a couple of times too with us with uh, CK, me and and Raph and Gil and and Tom was a was a was a member at a time too. Now he we kidnap him every now and then to come on the show uh, to talk about. He's the too book. busy writing comics to do to do oh, podcasts. Oh yeah, he has some stuff coming out. He, he Good really for him. Has some stuff coming out. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do. With some other characters. Nice. Oh, that's a tease, it's, isn't it's it? It's a tease. It's a tease. But we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. So you stuff. go to the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com and you can see all the other uh podcasts. It's a network of podcasts. Uh Derek Coward did it first. But uh and did it great. But uh it's just also another uh you know, family of podcasts that we uh have a bunch of different people on that I love. My boys and my, and my homies. And Mario, where can they uh, find you? You know, in your mom's bedroom. True. <laughs> no, you can find Mario on the Facebooks all the time. Tell them where they can uh, be your friend. What, what's uh, the? I'm on the Twitter. I don't even know what I am on the Twitter. What am I on the Twitter? Mario and... Muscar, but you are also protected, so you'd have to approve. I am that. not protected. No. Uh huh. Don't protect. I don't back. wear protection, David. <laughs> <laughs> In the orgy. <laughs> but no, just just look up Mario, Mario Muscar, Muscar and- on Twitter. 
on, on and Facebook. on the Facebook. And while you're at it, look David and, and myself up there too. Uh, David A. Price and and uh, Vince B. On the no, I guess you go by my last Vince name. Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you so, on Twitter? Uh, not as much. <laughs> uh, not as much, but okay. I'm on the it's damn Facebook. Oh, <laughs> long. I love it. It. You know what? Honestly, it's the only thing that keeps me sane during the day. Yep. Oh, I don't want to cut in, but I just want to say thank you guys for having me on the show. I mean, I've been listening since it was bullpen bulletins back in the day. Aww. But uh <laughs> but I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. You can come on anytime you want. Daryl and I could be like the Pryor Wilder. <laughs> the Richard Pryor. I was thinking the Riggs and Murtaugh. Be Gene Will No, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm too old. Man. Uh, you can tell we're friends. So everybody, thank you for being here with us. Uh, and as usual, you can find the next one of these, the very same place you found this one of these. And as usual, I'm going to say it, even though some people don't like it when I do, we love you so much. Who doesn't like the love? David. <laughs> he does. David, David doesn't love anyone he except his wife. Except himself. himself. <laughs> That's it, yes. Me and, me and me were right here. <laughs> and and thank you to to everybody on on Facebook and Twitter and 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 texts that I got like from Mario and uh emails, phone calls and and for 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 the birthday wishes. I appreciate it. Aww. It's not your birthday That's anymore. Hot. Get over it. And, and, <laughs> no, David has a birthday week. So, so we should say happy birthday, David, because he deserves it, damn it. It's cute. He does. Ah, say goodnight, David. Good night, David. Thanks, guys. Peace. Out. Fuck it. <laughs> Can't get better than that. <laughs>